Is it already started? Yeah. Hey, Taco. Yo, Matty, how's it going, bro? Good, thanks yourself. You've been busy. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting in a house <laughs> that's just full of boxes at the moment. It's yeah. kind of weird, but yeah, yeah, excited for the new house. Yeah, so we're recording this on Monday. Because... We said last week we're not going to do any. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we uh, we had a surprise uh, request for a podcast from a good friend of ours. Yes. And... Uh, We'll tell you why um, we decided to quickly knock one out the park. Um, but anyway, so recording this Monday so we can upload it before we move tomorrow and um, have everything. Um, yeah, all of our internet's going to be down. So we're going to record it now, upload it, and then it will be live on Wednesday today when you guys are listening to Monday it. Listen to this. So yeah, um, let's kick off with What's Hot with Taco. Myself. Presented by Don Bosco. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I mean, not uh, not a heck of a lot to report on. Um, I think uh, main main thing is just to remind everybody about what what's going on. And um, I know that uh, Tom had his little um, had the S O O open this past weekend. Um, a couple of guys went through there. I saw even um, Wesley Mark Jacobson was up there. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I think it was quite a cool, small little, um, you know, get together and ride. It was fun. So I'm sure we'll start seeing a little bit of content coming out of there in the next uh, week or so. Um, keep that, an eye on that. That little drop looked super fun. Yeah, dude. And I mean, I know Trav like kickflip the first try <laughs> yeah. when he was out there. So yeah, it looked really cool. Um, I'm just going to get to my news thing here. I think on those events, though, it's so important, like, regardless of turnout and stuff, that's like, it's in a completely new area. So yeah, the fact that that whole community got to see wake skating for the first time is super, super important. So really good on Tom for running that one. We can't yet to, you know, can't wait to hear more from him about all that. Definitely. Definitely. And and I believe, and there was also a wake skate weekend um, that's at the Teleski Nautique Les Okiri Boudre. <laughs> I think I got that right. Has Leah, has Leah sent you how to say it in it? No, I don't know. No, <laughs> but uh, we didn't have any hear much from Hideo. But um, I know, I know. I think there was a couple last year that that he battled for reception, and I think this was one, one of them. One of them, yeah. So I'm sure we'll we'll hear um, more about that. And um, uh, Pierre um, just released the after movie from the Clemland event. Oh really? Which looked yeah, looks looked when, wild today. Uh, yesterday or oh, Saturday. Flip, I missed it. Yeah, we were busy on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a bit it's of a been blur. A, a, a blur the last few couple up. days. I'm yeah. waiting for Wednesday, Wednesday so that I can <laughs> see everything I've missed. But yeah, no, it looked wild. It looked like a good event. Um, even uh, Paul got uh, what's his Paul Paul Boucher Boucher. Yeah, yeah. Even he got an, in on the wake skating. Yeah, that so, sounds terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> he charged it. Um, yeah, bringing definitely bringing the vibe. Leo, all those guys there were killing it. Um, 
yeah, this will look like a really fun drop. Like nice, not too big. Yeah. Two nice little size rails on the side. That's what they look also. Super yeah. Fun. So hey, it just France look like is a, the place, man. Yeah, looks like a really cool event. Um, yeah. Then as far as just want to remind everybody about the the Wakeside weekend happening on the tenth to the twelfth at um, Valdosta. So that's the American leg. Um, yeah. So go check out. Um, I just get in contact with the Valdosta guys and um, book your camping if you're keen to go. Yeah, it's always a fun time. And yeah, I mean, last year that was a really epic success. Um, yeah, you yeah, know, that's even true. Ben Oran came out to out of retirement and just like and shredded, yeah, killed and it. shredded, yeah, signature heel flips, yeah. So that's going to be a fun one. Um, and then following up, the next stop of the, the PWL. The 23rd to the 25th and that's also at valdosta that is going to be insane yeah insane insane um that's the final one yeah that's the final one yeah and that's actually also the um uh the deadline for the boat competition we thought it was the end of september uh, it's actually it's on the comp it's on the comp so try get your your entries in before then and um yeah probably gonna announce the winner then on that same weekend yeah i I think so i think so so i don't know if we're gonna our our lake is filling up slowly so maybe we can maybe maybe we'll get one in maybe we'll be able to get one in maybe we'll just have to put the winch on a boat yeah it'll be a no 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 boat no practice boat line yeah Yeah. the first line that we get to do yeah (laughs) front shove back shove yeah yeah. front big back big and then (laughs) done yeah (laughs) Mine would just be like lip tricks, like all the easy ones that I can do. <laughs> My warm up tricks. Oh yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. And then the other on the on the, another wake skate weekend, um, the eighteenth and the nineteenth is the next stop at the Awake Wake Park. Um, and Leo's yeah. had so many of those, so cool. Yeah, Leo is just killing it, putting so much work into these events, and it's it's really sick. And I'm I'm stoked that he got it going two years in a row. Yeah, pretty much every event is like pretty much like fully fully attended. attended it's, yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah, so props to him. Um, we'll probably talk to him sometime in October once it starts to wrap up and just get his feedback and everything. And yeah, but uh, otherwise, you know, we we've <laughs> we've been so busy the last couple of days. We haven't even really really been like checking out on social media, so we don't have much to talk about. But um, what we did talk a lot about, oh, who we did talk, a lot, did to, talk a lot to, <laughs> is our guest, um, yeah. Andrew Rome, Reem. Uh, so yeah, the Reem. I said both ways. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, kid. We learned how to say I think it's Rome, though. Um, yeah. Jeez. Oh, yeah, he's going to hate You've me. always said. <laughs> I've always said Reem. Yeah, I think so. Figer. Figer. Well, yeah. <laughs> Kid, um, the kid, the kid, the yeah, kid. That's yeah, everyone knows him as the kid, and um, yeah, we've been wanting to have him on for a while. We did have him on, yeah, he's made these the, little short appearances. The eh? live, we had him on the live feed once or twice. He did like a, he unveiled the graphics yes, for Project Skates, project and um, yeah, gave us a little bit of the behind scenes. It's always cool to talk to him, especially when you guys start chatting about like your, you know, you guys have got so many memories, and you guys go spend so much time together yeah really i don't think cool. there's actually a wake skater that i've spent other you know other than you yeah 
Yeah, I don't know if there's a way that I've spent more time with. Yeah. I mean, two steps, maybe two steps, but I've spent a lot of time with Andrew, like yeah. consecutive, like yeah. living on his couch for... And also those three, long four, drives. Four months at a time, yeah. you know, 16-hour drives. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I personally owe a lot of wake skating. Yeah. What I've learned wake skating and what I've learned just in general in life from him. Yeah. So, yeah. Or to him. Um. But yeah, so cool. Just, I mean, we hey, we could chat for hours. Yeah. Hours we, on end. Yeah. So it was cool to just uh, catch up with him and get yeah. like a basic outline. Still learn stuff about him. Things yeah. you know, that, I, that I knew, but didn't know some some other details, like his first board and that kind of yeah. stuff that we spoke about. So that was yeah. really cool. And yeah, like it's just an interesting character to talk yeah. to. He's just super smart guy. Yeah. And just really in it for wake skating. You know, yeah. whenever we've done something, he's always, he's always backed it. So yeah. yeah. That's always really nice to see. So yeah, definitely. May big passion for wake skating puts everything that he has into it. So and he's got something that he's announcing too. Yeah, so, which is really really cool. Just his, his passion for the water and his passion for yeah. um, making a difference yeah. to other people. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Lots of good. Lots of good things this week. I won't spoil too much. Yeah. Hopefully everyone's got some long drives. So yeah, can <laughs> this to is the a whole long thing. one. We had to even we had to, I think we had to call it at one stage. Just say like, here we go. Yeah, stop like, talking. We're gonna, stop, we're gonna have to do another one of them. But yeah, yeah no, super super frost on the whole. Yeah, for the and for those of you who don't know, um, Andrew, he is filmmaker, wake skater. He shreds on the wake skate. Yeah, and, I, I mean, his filmmaking speaks for itself. I mean, Runs. I mean, he's yeah. One of the partners in yeah, typical he, in projects. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, Estudiomo, one of the most cinematically beautiful wakescape films yeah. of all time. Arguably, I mean, in my opinion. My opinion would be very biased. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it's, um, and he can, he's, yeah, he's just a very, very cool dude. And um, it was really cool to chat to him. And like Maddie said, he's, um, Starting, he's launching his new product, his new project, passion project, which is going to launch today when you yes, guys start sharing this. this so that was, that was the reason why we wanted to talk to him so we could line it all up. Line it all up. So we hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Um, talking to Andrew and, um, you know, just about his wakeskate career um, and this new project of his and, um, yeah, everything else. And, Hope you guys enjoy. Yep. We don't know when the next Wakescape Wednesday will be, but uh, probably be in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll so, see. We'll see how yeah. this move goes. Yeah, yeah. But we'll be coming to you from a new studio. So until then, <laughs> okay, enjoy the house. episode. <laughs> enjoy the episode and we'll see you next Wakescape Wednesday. Enjoy. Gentlemen, gentlemen. Oh, gentlemen. Oh. Hey, Andrew, how's it going? How's it going, guys? Good, good. Dude. Good, you, man. good. That's so funny that your internet went out. <laughs> uh, I just was seeing like connectivity issues that I was worried was going to mess with the audio quality. So I uh, uh, fair enough. wanted to make sure that it was in prime condition for us to do this. Yeah, nice. in typical South African fashion, we just got a huge storm that pulled in now. Started thundering and lightning. The first time <laughs> I've heard thunder and lightning in Cape Town. <laughs> it's been it's 
been tricky storms all over the world right now, man. We've got yeah. Hurricane Ida coming through Cuba right now, about to, in a couple of days, just hit Louisiana pretty hard. Oh, dang. Yeah. But Dave and I were up in Michigan right now visiting my mom. Uh, we're up here for a funeral. And when we were flying through from Austin, uh, our flight into from Chicago and our layover to Hancock, Michigan, where we're at, got canceled by a storm cell that was just hovering over Chicago. So we had to end up like just getting a rental car and driving the rest of the way, which was not a oh, short drive. Dang, that's crazy. It, yeah, so storms are uh kind of messing with everyone right now yeah yeah, yeah no, that's jeez so we didn't have to drive anywhere far today okay. yeah <laughs> that 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 kind of reminds me of our um our mission back from battle falls yeah after surf expo when they got shut down and yeah. the hurricane was i don't remember which one it was at that point but yeah Ooh. we were just being chased down by it we were like it was heading it was heading kind of west best a little bit with how it banked off of the landfall and we just in the rear view literally just watching it like chase as we just tried driving back to texas and we still drove through one to get there (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) that we drove through harvey uh the one that put down like dozens and dozens of inches of water on uh houston and was messing with everybody we drove around like the north end of it as it was hitting houston which was absolutely terrifying to drive through oh gosh yeah, like storm was, chases over here. That's what it was. It was just like we were just running from storms. I, we have the worst luck traveling, though. Like the <laughs> the weather is always terrible when we're driving. And then I was telling Dave, he's like never had a flight get canceled on him, and he's never like really had that many delays. And I'm like, dude, you should never travel with me then because <laughs> I have the worst travel luck. Uh, my flights get delayed, canceled almost. I, yeah. I think eighty-five to nine percent of my flights get delayed. <laughs> yeah just every single one yeah dude yeah nah, I've been, i feel like chicago it happens a lot i think it, that, it, that airport sucks man like it, it the layout of it is ridiculous it's like just trying to get through a process there is like you're always taking shuttles you're running everywhere like it's it's just really poorly designed yeah 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 i remember getting stuck there for like eight hours with no money a bag of peanuts yeah. like half an hour of free wi-fi <laughs> and just drinking the free water <laughs> they don't really give you too much really they, no. they even when your flights are canceled like their their accommodations are pretty much just like stop talking to me like whatever i can do yeah. to get you on your way to like leave me alone like it yeah. doesn't really feel like they're trying that hard yeah no. i remember when i was coming back from from orlando and you, you, you indeed dropped me off the night before and i stayed at the airport so that I could, I could be wake up early in the morning and um, get on my flight. So I stayed at the airport hotel, and then got up, got down to the to the the desk early, and I saw a whole lot of people, and everyone was just like complaining. I said, like, "What's going on?" No, they've just canceled the flight, and it was my interconnecting flight from Orlando to Washington, and then I was going from Washington back to South Africa. Yeah, and they were just like, "Yeah, no, it's canceled," and I was like, "Well, then I'm gonna miss my flight home." <laughs> so i had to like phone my travel agent in south africa or phone my dad and then my dad had to phone the travel agent and get it organized and i had to i had to rush to another another desk buy a ticket to miami fly to miami and then fly from miami to 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 washington washington did they reimburse at least your like yeah yeah, flight where the miami one was more or less covered 
Yeah, they know they they reimbursed us completely. It took us a while, but um, was it weather related or like mechanical related? I I don't I don't remember. I know the previous year it had the same thing happen to my brother, and it was weather weather related. But I don't know what the problem was when I was there. I was just like on GoMo, just trying to sort it out. They love when it's weather related because yeah. it pretty much absolves them of any responsibility. Like yeah. ours was weather related. And so they're just basically like, nope, we're not paying for your rental car. We're not yeah. paying for a hotel. Like it's an act of God, nothing that we can do. Go about yeah. your business. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. But yeah. Super yeah. apathetic business model for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when I got to when I got to Miami, I, I got to the terminal and I was said to the woman there, I was like, Where's the plane? She just looks at me and she's like, I don't know. <laughs> i was just like i mean it should be here by now like we're leaving in like half an hour she's like no, don't know where the plane is and eventually Fuck i know i don't work yeah here. <laughs> it, yeah it was delayed as well i literally i was i eventually got to washington but i was literally like you know when the the flight attendants or the people outside are like calling you over the intercom like i was literally the last person, last on, the person plane. on the plane was no oh, dude <laughs> Yeah, and they they really they don't take the uh, the Navy SEAL approach. They they leave a man behind. They have no problem doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, but otherwise, kid, how's it going outside, dude? What's going on? It's good. I'm assuming we're live. We're going right now. Yeah, we've been. We've <laughs> yeah, been this recording. isn't this isn't the boiler room before we go in. Just kind of getting chummy. No, no, no. 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 We just record everything. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, everything's good, man. Yeah, in Michigan right now, I'm actually like. If I turn the camera around right now, you guys would see where this is Portage Lake. So we're like, if you guys are familiar with U.S. geography at all, like Michigan, the state Michigan's broken into like two pieces, right? Okay. So, and uh, there's the lower part where like the larger cities like Detroit are, and then there's mm-hmm. like the upper peninsula, which is um, kind of more rural, less big cities, more kind of sparsed out. And then, you know, they're surrounded by the Great Lakes. And so my mom lives in the upper peninsula up here. And then she lives at the very top of the Upper Peninsula, like right here, like in the middle of my thumb with the okay. way I have it mapped out. This is great for an audio medium for sure. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the point being is that like she lives at the very top of Michigan where she like looks over um, Lake Superior and they're like close to Canada and stuff like that. And so Portage Lake is like the bit that bisects that little thumb that comes off of your hand if you're trying to make a, a Michigan. And so this is like where I used to come when I was young, you know, for vacation, stuff like that. And we'd, you know, water ski and we'd do all sorts of fun lake stuff. And it's actually really cool looking right now that we have a storm rolling in. So it's like ominous looking and like yeah. misty, but it's, it's crazy here. Like during this time of year, it stays light, super late. And it's like really optimal place to, you know, get on the water. Just a little yeah. cold. Like Dave already said, when he got here, like there's no chance I'm out there. <laughs> that's amazing yeah i can imagine dave not not being not being down <laughs> i mean yeah we don't have any neoprene and it's like actually like legitimately kind of cold today it's only like 65 fahrenheit right now um okay. and yeah, the cool. water temp is probably not too far off of that probably like mid 60s low 60s yeah no, so it's definitely chilly. neoprene water yeah that's chilly if you want yeah. it to work well like if you actually want to be able to do your tricks like yeah. I, there's people up here that actually have some weight skates and they wanted to buy some as well. And um, I, they're just trying to get out and cruise, right? Like they don't really yeah. care about like having the mobility in your legs to feel them like do any sort of real tricks. So they're like, it's perfect weather for it. I'm like, yeah, it's flat, yeah. but like, yeah. <laughs> it's cold, man. Yeah, yeah. 
if I was 14 again, and when I would like ride on Christmas day, like, and like, I wouldn't care if it was nail bitingly cold, but you know, times have changed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've definitely become a lot fussier as yeah. we, as we got spoiled when we got older. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I'll brave cold for like surf or something like that when it's like nice. Like if it's winter and we have like a swell coming to Texas, like I'll, I'll, I'll brave the, for something like a special occasion like that, but I can take a ski out whenever. Like, I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. The ski's always there. Yeah. The waves aren't. Yeah, the waves are fleeting. No, we don't got much in Texas for that. So if we get, I mean, unless you want to do tanker surfing, but even then, that's still kind of a mission. Um, but yeah, Texas does get swell enough to you have to. You can't be fussy if it's cold out. Like if you got good swell, it's like yeah, it's once go. every like six months that you get something nice nice dude well yeah i mean you're in michigan now yeah where is that because you guys lived in michigan first before you moved to austin hey yeah yeah so dave and i were born outside of detroit and then uh we were there until like 98 99 and then we moved down when i was like six and he was what would be eight or nine um moved on to austin and then yeah spent the first like six years in the actual like localized austin city limits area and then after that point we moved out northwest to lago vista um near marble kind of between lago vista and marble falls in texas and that's when we got up to the lake and that's when we started way skating was on lake travis um after we had moved a little bit outside of austin okay cool no was that that was the same lake house we were at or that was a different one well, that was getting built. No, same house. Same house. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, I was at that house after that point for probably what would have been maybe four or five years before I like left to go to college. Um, but yeah, that lake house was pretty much the only place uh, we slayed, we stayed in like an apartment as a family for a little bit in Lago while that house was being built. Like when it was finishing being okay. built, we were only in that apartment for like a year. Um but then we went out there and then that was which game on from there, like waste getting every single day, like after yeah. school. Um, and then, yeah, Dave and I originally started wakeboarding out there. And then as we kind of went through that new school and like met new people, we met like Dave met one of his close friends, um, Colton Voswinkel. Anyone who's out there like is super oldie, yeah. like OG on like waitskating.com knows who that is. Um, and then we eventually, you know, met, uh, Evan Molina as well. One of my best friends that for a super long time that helps with graphic development for, you know, uh, project. And he, he does a lot of other creative work, uh, currently still within wastegating. Um, and then I went on tons of trips with him on wastegate trips around the U S and stuff. And, uh, and then we met another OG in the Texas wastegate scene at that point named Ori Yarbrough, who used to ride a uh, devoted by like he used to have a pro model from devoted. They were a oh, bi level yeah, company back in the day. And he was by far like the the best out of us. Like he, he had been wastegating for a long, long time before we had really gotten into it. And uh, yeah, that was kind of our crew for a while it was like me, Colton, Dave, Evan, Ori. And then we would kind of like rotate like who was available to ride whenever but that was kind of like the early, early days was being at the lake house, um, waste breakboard at the beginning. And then I think some random person who like also went to our school that was just kind of around had a hyperlight scape on his boat. Okay. And I was like, I, I, I would just try it out and was super fun. Um, and then me and Colton 
like decide like we're gonna just start weight skating like this is what we're gonna do this is yeah. like we find like we just thought it was way more fun and dave kept wakeboarding for a little bit and then he picked up on it and and st- kind of just like wanted to keep doing what we were doing as a group like because Colt and I became less interested in like riding boat as much because when we were always getting like the jet ski was just way more fun. And that means less time on the boat where David was wakeboarding and it just became far more convenient for us all to be doing the same thing. And Evan always weight skated. Um, and then Ori did the same thing. Like at that point, it was just kind of five of us that really just wanted to weight skate. That's sick. Solid crew. Yeah, dude, that was, yeah. that was a cool crew. And then, so you, you pretty much started weight skating and then it was just, ski time there was no not that much time on the boat anymore yeah not really it's kind of crazy to think about because like we had a boat like it just was expensive with gas versus a ski and mm-hmm. it was it just made more sense to like if we most of the time it was only three of us out of the five of us it would end up usually just being three of us that were available to ride any given day so it became easier to do that and then if we had all five of us we would do like missions like mm-hmm. up different fingers of our lake travis it's more of a river anyway and so we'd take two skis and we'd go up and we'd just spend full days like up in areas of the lake that we had like code names for like Sugarland or, or, you know, uh, Moccasin Cove, Moccasin like just all sorts Cove, of little yeah. hidden spots where bigger boats can't get into. They're either too shallow or they're just too much time to get out of the way to go to those places. And, uh, so we'd find smooth water. It's just the only thing that like skis could, you know, manage and there'd be like boulders on the water that underwater that you'd have to avoid. So we had like our own little kind of private spots that we'd ride at. And whenever we had those days with two skis, we'd kind of, fill, you know, chase film and start putting together like the early videos that we used to do. Like we had, I think you can still find them on YouTube um, or somewhere where we had videos called like Sugarland, um, And then the early videos that like Evan started putting together, um, you know, of, of me and Dave and, and Colton and other people and, and Ori. So that, that was kind of the first introduction to like, having a crew way skating putting together yeah. videos and stuff but at that point i was just kind of riding i wasn't like yeah. filming or doing like that evan was still like the artistic guy behind the lens and had the vision for making stuff okay so, what was your first board uh my first board uh was i'm trying to think right so it was right before one of the christmases in like the early two or like mid 2000s and i remember my mom like asking like like what we wanted for Christmas. And I, I know we, me and Dave had like first gotten like super into waste At the time we were like using borrowed boards and I was riding that skate for a while, landing my first shove on that. And then, um, you know, we're like, we want waste skates. And then my mom ended up buying just some uh, liquid force waste skates for Christmas. I think it was like an Armada and like something else, like kind of like two like uh, kind of yeah. standard waste skates, like stuff that like Aaron Reed and people were using. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Dave and I just being idiots were like, no, we don't want these ones. <laughs> like, or, or just like, or we were just like, it wasn't what we had in mind, right? Like, we had maybe talked about something else and it was like, wasn't what we were expecting. And, you know, we were fed some information either on wayscan.com or we just didn't really know what we really knew. And so, like, we're like, you know what? Let's like, let's, let's go with something different. Like, yeah, they were down for whatever. And so, Dave ended up going on newwayscan.com and like tricking out like this insane wood board with like, it molded in like channels on the bottom and like <laughs> sidewalls and yeah. the most bizarre looking wastegate. <laughs> it looked like took the dimensions of like a skateboard and just like blew it out to a wastegate. It was like super rounded and it, it looked so interesting. And then 
I, you know, being a, someone who just likes, I guess, art, which is like, this looks cool. And I got a yeah. freaking 2008 Byerly with like the dragon on it that had like the uh, insane concave and like the sh- like the insane sidewalls, like yeah. the huge channel underneath it. Yeah. It was like 42 inches and I'm like <laughs> a 13 year old kid. And I'm like, this is a good idea. And it's, it's way too big. It's way too heavy. And it like, yeah, I probably rode that for like four to six months. And I just like completely knew that like, this was a bad idea. Like it's too much board for me. I'm too small. I'm not strong enough. Like it's just, yeah. it's a pain. And like, I look for, I'm like, anyone who was riding that board at the time for Byerly like wasn't doing the stuff that I was hoping I'd be doing anyone in Wayskate. Like it just didn't make yeah. any sense. And so like quickly after that, I, I bought a, I bought an Oak, uh, moon dog. And that's like when my, my progression started taking off a bit more, like where I started doing like my first three shoves and like one eighty, So a bit yeah. more consistently being able to pop it more, started having more like control with the board versus like this huge heavy board i just wasn't strong enough to throw around yeah, yeah. dude that's <laughs> as bailey's were like the concave was gnarly like remember did you ever ride doll's one yeah dude that felt like my feet were bending in on themselves yeah it was like yeah <laughs> it was that's exactly what it felt like <laughs> i was just like i was just like, like even if i land this i'm gonna yeah. roll my ankle yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the only person who made those boards look good was brett back in the day like and yeah. even then he just like he shaved it down where like the 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 concave wasn't as bad i don't know if he took like a belt sander or like a <laughs> grinder to it but like he got it like a lot less crazy and then he like painted over it to make it like not look like he like completely destroyed the board but <laughs> yeah. and then he made it look so effortless on the uh the cable man he just his feet were just locked in perfectly to the concave yeah. and that was the only person that like thought i thought that board looked good on look good but even on. then it was like he looked good on cable right like he looked good like using it in the way that it was supposed to be used but like if you're trying to like do a bunch of like technical flip tricks with it it just didn't look right it just yeah. flipped clunkily it just wasn't it was just for stuff that i like doing about way skating like technical like flat water and like some rail stuff like it it just was it was a, it was the worst possible choice i was way better off with my mom's original decision just to get me like a liquid force on armada that i could control yeah yeah no d- definitely i think that board was it was like good for like locking you if you pushed your feet right into the side you could like kind of lock it in for like 180s and stuff yeah. and 360s because it would just stick there yeah but like you say flip tricks no it was just too much concave and yeah no that, yeah. Was, that, that board was ridiculous if I had stayed being like a boat rider, it would have been fine. Like, cause yeah. it would have had the size that I needed to like be comfortable wake to wake. And I would have been locked into the board, like you said, but yeah, I mean, if there's true. one more of the story, man, it's like mom's no best, whether it's wake skating. <laughs> yeah, or, I was you know? just thinking yeah. the same thing. I was like, how often, even when it's wake skating, sometimes mom knows best. Yeah, she, she knew, she knew, <laughs> but uh, I still have the board. It's indestructible. It's, it could survive a nuclear Holocaust, man. It, that thing. Yeah, they were thinking it's crazy strong. it's a tank yeah it's kind of like shameful to have it to be honest with you like it yeah. just made no sense it just showed <laughs> how little i knew at the time yeah <laughs> no dude, that's part of it we all had yeah. to start somewhere and all, we all made those mistakes yeah i've still got my body yeah. the one with the that like that first lock-in that they made it was oh, like the, that yeah. iron yeah yeah i've yeah. still got that one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that uh, was it the green grenade one? Because I wrote that year, one for a little bit. Yeah, it was the year before that, so it was the the black okay. with the the, 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 yeah. the green skeleton. Yeah, yeah. So I oh yeah, that one. yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, 
that was the board that before I got my board, I was riding that one and like the green grenade one. So like okay, I, yeah. I, I was riding those and my buddy had already gotten that one. And that was the one yeah. that like I kept like getting my shove styled on and like learning 180s. I'm like this board is great. Like this is awesome. Like it's got the, it's like, a, it's super light because I was still yeah. young. Like it spun really easily. Like this yeah. is great. Yeah. And then when I heard like they're coming with the new version of a Byerly, like yeah. the, the next year's one, I'm like, oh, I want to get the brand new good one. And like, it's a completely different board. <laughs> yeah. made. Like it wasn't even eerily similar, but I'm okay with that because I think if I actually ended up getting like that green grenade one, I would like, I would be missing one of my legs because like if you threw a three shove too quickly with that board, with how sharp those yeah. edges are, those on edges. It, like, yeah. I think break your legs, man. I think it was crazy <laughs> with how fast it spun and how sharp the edges were on the side. Yeah. 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 No, dude, that's freaking that crazy. <laughs> oh man so that was so then you're riding you're riding ski you got your you got your crew together and evan's pretty much filming then you guys i mean you guys started learning pretty quick after that um yeah yeah for sure it it was it was pretty quick progression at that point just because when you have a crew like that it's so much easier to like push yourselves and like learn from other people. It also helped that someone like Ori was there who like had already gone through some of the early stages of progression and like stuff that was difficult. And then I was still between three and four years younger than all of them. So like I was always kind of picking up things just a little bit after them. So I always had people that had like gone through some sort of progression process that I could kind of learn the roadmaps from, avoid the, yeah. the pitfalls and then kind of take that cadence. And it wasn't until like I was significantly older that I started like progressing on my own direction and like going past them in different areas. But yeah. it, there was always that, like just having not like qu quite gotten to like their body types yet where I had the yeah, strength yeah. or the ability to do certain things. Yeah, yeah for sure. It definitely helps riding with people who are a little bit better with you than you or have gone through it. Yeah. Pick up on that. Or even like, even just different, you know, yeah. like they've done different things to you. Like I remember, yeah when I came to ride with, with kid and Colin and Dave yeah. and like was so cable orientated and like just learning, like them teaching me how to flow properly behind the John yeah. boat and the ski, like just, you know, small subtle things like, yeah, don't just cross the wake, do a trick. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just start doing all these tricks in a row yeah. that you'd never do on the cable. Cause you're always like two trick turn, two trick yeah, turn yeah. or something like that like that that was yeah, cool. really focused on the obstacle coming up right like you have like a, a plan of like what you're going to be doing that lap or like you pretty much are you know localized at that particular stretch where a ski it's like you have all the time in the world and you can flow at whatever pace you want there's yeah no rush to it and yeah. you can kind of choose how you want to kind of move throughout and I, that's what makes me love ski so much. yeah and i think it's so fun to capture content of ski too because it's like it's completely at the rider's pace. Like there's nothing yeah, like yeah. choose like, and it kind of like allows them that extra bit of opportunity to kind of express themselves in their own way. Like there's people that like waste skate super fast with a really good, like really fast pace, like a Danny Hampson. Yeah. And yeah. there's people that kind of like take their time. And it's like a slow languid kind of, you know, flow like Colin or it's yeah. like everyone just has their own kind of pace that like comes across when they ride, which is so cool about ski. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. yeah. I, lo I loved it when we when we used to ride and ski a lot and then we could just go up up the lake and you just yeah you don't fall for so yeah, long yeah. and you're just like oh this feels so good yeah you get long like that's some of the cool stuff about that lake travis too is like if you go up what we call the upper collie or even like near the house on that long wall stretch like you have miles of lake with the right wind direction you just have like a giant cliff on your right 
or left and you're just driving for miles and like you just flow and you flow and then like you look back you're like holy cow we just covered like three miles and i was yeah. skating for you know <laughs> like 10 minutes without falling yeah yeah it was a bad did it's... you no yeah okay no i'm good Good. um did you ever go did you ever go back up to the spot where we where we hit the rock did you ever drive up there again after that yeah i mean we had been up there quite a bit like whenever the lake level was higher and i had been back up when like we got rain again that's okay. like still one of my favorite areas to go up to because there's no one up there like all the boat ramps are far away it's like a mission to get up there but yeah we i was trying to show maddie like the very northernest po- point of our like lake or river there yeah and like we were literally like one turn away from getting there and like I, I can tell you right now that there's like people that have grown up in that area of austin like their entire lives and they haven't like seen that part of the lake or getting up there and so i was like this is gonna be cool to show you just because it's you start like seeing like a lot more like wildlife too like there's horses that like swim across the lake there and like yeah. it's it's interesting and so like we were just almost there and we're coming up to this thing and i'm like driving and all of a sudden i just see like the lake very quickly get shallow and like, oh. I just like pull the start key and then we just start crossing and we just hear, and like, I just, the bottom hole of the ski just clips a rock and you can just see it rip through the plastic bottom of the, uh, the ski and like it tears into the fiberglass. And I'm just like, I'm looking at, it, I'm like, this is probably letting in water. <laughs> and <laughs> we had to start hustling back and it's like, not a, it's not a close drive no, it wasn't our, close at all. from our lake on. house. It, it, it was probably like a 33 like mile or more yeah. like ski ride from the northern point of the, the lake so i think thankfully like when you're not when you're driving quickly it doesn't take in nearly as much water than if you were like idling so i yeah. think we were okay but instantly yeah, we got back and i got to like put up on one of the lifts and like see what kind of like fiberglass and like work how to get done to it or if it if it could get patched on our own did i remember having to tow tow the ski back like to meet you at the boat ramp with the ski and you we couldn't tow it back slowly you had to like plane yeah. towing the ski behind me <laughs> and it's like everything i teach people not to do yeah. at work every day <laughs> and i was just like oh we're just flying down there i was like oh there was a point where we had i think at one where we had other people's skis there and ones that we were trying to swap out and i think there was four skis at the, at the lake house and there was no one there to help me except for my dad and i had to do a three a three ski like I was driving a ski and then there was three skis attached to that ski, like <laughs> towing behind each other. And I was trying my very hardest to get it up to plane so I could get to the place quickly. And it just, it, it didn't have the strength. It couldn't do it. But yeah, <laughs> I looked so weird though. I was just driving on a lake with just like a, a chain of empty skis behind me just moseying <laughs> around. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, People, what is this guy doing? What is this guy does he know one jet ski is enough <laughs> or they, they think i'm like stealing them right and i'm yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. Just, like pulling them off of the lifts and just like stealing the skis <laughs> yeah. oh, thankfully it was a pretty quiet day there was no one on the lake because if there was like a lot of traffic and i like had tons of waves to deal with and that would yeah. have been a pain yeah. but that would have been brutal yeah. especially if like one of the skis behind you tips or something oh yeah yeah, yeah. she's so when did the um you know we like we said earlier Evan was filming when did when did your uh for like like when did you start filming Dave was editing as well but before was he editing before you or was that kind of at the yeah same he time? was editing he was editing stuff before me for sure he uh him and Colton like started kind of like 
trying to get to a cage where they're releasing tons of stuff together. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of getting the shafted treatment early on where like they would just go out and like kind of do their own, their own videos. And uh, you know, they would get out <laughs> of school earlier than me because they were like upperclassmen or whatever. And so they would get out in like the afternoon and they'd go and go waste skate like in the early afternoon while I was still in class. And I was one of those kids that thought it was a good idea to try to be a smart kid. And I would take all of the hard classes and like be at school until like after hours. And so I, uh, I wouldn't get off and I would maybe get, maybe get a set in after if they were still there, if they didn't like go home somewhere else. And so it, they started making their own videos. They started editing them together. I would never really, and they were just focused on kind of putting out their own content. So that's why Dave took on editing more and putting together his own videos and, yeah, they, they, they made a bunch of stuff, man. I think there was a summer where like their goal was like to put out like three videos a summer, like of like just different kind of ski edits. And that was when like, after a few years we had gotten, you know, familiar with the larger crew of people in Texas. So like the Richie getters who started blast white skate mag yeah. and like Ryan light was filming yeah. a bunch too. And we had like more content creators around that, you know, promoted more different kind of ways to, to create content with the different crews there. You know, we had, guys like Stu Duar and Chris Kalinge and his dad and just people that were out there kind of making their own way, you know, in way skating. Yeah. And we, we quickly kind of realized how big the community was in Texas of way skaters. Like it's crazy. At one point, I think, you know, early two, you know, 2010s, there was probably like 30, like decent way skaters, like in Texas, like in that Austin area and like all the way down to maybe like New Braunfels if you count like some of the TSR guys and it was it was sick man it was like that's when we were wenching a bunch and we realized like how much of a gem Texas is for wenching and how much yeah. like six spots are on nearby and that's when like yeah stuff started to take off dang hey, I man. didn't I didn't answer when I started <laughs> started making <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. videos and stuff though uh yeah Dave started making it's beforehand and then I started almost just kind of like working with Evan more kind of like, like helping him like work on the videos that he wanted to do. So like, I think it was probably like summer, yeah, summer of 2009, Evan and I went on a van road trip. So this was right after he had graduated high school and I uh, maybe had just gotten my license or like I had just recently got my license and we drove a West Coast trip in his van. He just got in a van and we were towing my ski and we like wanted to go to different spots along the way, different lakes and meet up with different way scares along the way. And that was the first time uh, I met Nick. So, or I didn't meet Nick. I had met him in Texas at like Piley Toe Jam events, but like spending a, a decent amount of time with Nick. And we, at that time he was living in Carlsbad, California. And we drove there and stayed with him and like film with him for a little bit. And Evan basically pieced together this long way skate trip from like Texas, New Mexico. We did Elephant Butte, Senators Wash in Arizona, Carlsbad in California, drove up and met with um, Chad Knight who lived in Sacramento at the time, went to, I uh, can't remember what that lake was called. Uh, and then we went to the Delta, met with people there in California and then like made the trip back. And he put together uh, like a, a road trip video um, of that and that was kind of like my first like real like submersion into like filmmaking yeah. and like helping and and at that time I had gotten a bit more into photography like I had my own camera and I I started shooting photography more and like trying to like capture the more static elements of the trip um 
but then I got kind of derailed by that because when we were staying in Carlsbad with Nick, our van got broken into and they stole all my camera gear oh. and they thankfully oh. didn't take um, Evan's video camera or his laptop. So we're able to still get stuff out of the trip, but like all of my photos and stuff that I took just gotten, you know, taken away and stolen. Dang. But yeah, that, that sucked. Carlsbad just genuinely kind of sucks if I'm being honest, <laughs> but that, that particularly kind of sucked. Like we got kicked out of Carlsbad Lagoon with, after filming with Nick for like maybe 10, 15 minutes, like, because they don't allow jet skis to pull wake skaters or like anyone in general on that lagoon without like permits for filming or something like that. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Oh. Like Nick had already filmed something with, I think Alliance or like yeah. Nike or something like that on there, like earlier or maybe after we had done that, but we got just like bitched at like after 10 minutes out there filming with him. So like, he has like a little bit of like, um, footage in this video that he that evan made that's maybe like three lines behind the ski and that that was it um i'm trying to think i think it's called goal mountain grass on on vimeo that was like the very um early video that evan and i put together of a film trip but that i was still primarily riding in that that was like yeah. i wanted to keep being like in front of the camera not behind it back yeah. then but i was still interested in photography um and then we had come back from that trip and like still had the bug to like keep filming and working on something bigger and evan had come up with like this full-length film idea he wanted to do which was called favorite colors and that's like we are going to expand out more like not just like the texas scene but i was going to use like some of the connections that i had made and 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 like established after being in the scene a little bit longer and like friends that i made along the way after people come to texas and you know through people i had met through wastegating.com and stuff and you know, I, I would go and we'd connect with people in Florida and make something bigger. And like, so like he had an idea, what do you want to make and do? And then we were going to spend the next like, you know, year or so and, and work on that. And so we did that. We started filming with people in Florida and Louisiana a little bit, but my schedule and flexibility became a lot easier to do that stuff than Evans. And so, and I just kept kind of like traveling and wasting with different people. And I got slightly more competent with a camera for filming to the point where like it was more manageable and so favorite color is unfortunate with like evan not being able to be as involved as he would want to be and like him having the complete control that he definitely deserves to have like it kind of transitioned to becoming more my project than his and it that's what turned into eidetic which was that like yeah. full-length okay. movie that i came out with in uh 2011 and so that kind of began as favorite colors. I kind of took it over and kind of renamed it and, and, and did the stuff that I did for it. And that was like the first ever thing I edited yeah. like ever. So like I came out, like I edited the movie and then I edited the trailer after it that dropped like 10 days before to like announce it. But like that 45 minute movie was like the first thing I ever edited. Dang. Besides like yeah. I have something on a hard drive that like I did as practice, but never released it. Yeah. And like, I showed it to Evan, like, how is this? And like, I, try to use him as a sounding board it's like i was happy with how it turned out but there was definitely things about eidetic where it's just like you're just so eager to like show that you can edit that you did so much like dumb stuff <laughs> that like made no sense like sometimes less is more and yeah. i did not understand that principle at all early on <laughs> no definitely though. i think it's we a shame though that. man that favorite colors never materialized into anything because i think if evan like had all the resources that he deserves and, and, and wanted for making that and being able to, to 
put as much time and energy as he did he, he wanted to do it like that would have been such a sick movie man it would have been so good like i'm i'm convinced that it would have been like the best wayscape movie to like enjoy and watch at that time it would have been yeah. i think groundbreaking he has such a good eye and like vision for what he wants and yeah. it shows in like when he makes graphics and stuff but it, yeah he's just as good of a filmmaker and like photographer as he is a graphic designer mm. yeah no he's he's uh he's definitely got a good creative eye yeah super solid super good winch driver too <laughs> he <laughs> he was driving for my studio Ender. <laughs> yeah yeah he was living out of his van in denver at the time and yeah. uh he was we were passing through and uh yeah he, he came and helped out and it allowed us to get the drone clip and uh a couple of different angles so that mm -hmm. was definitely helpful having a four-person crew again at that point yeah. on your birthday too yeah yeah on i think 23rd birthday yeah dude that was that was a cool day it, it was a really it was a really really cool day but yeah, it was, uh, that was how it kind of like the handoff happened. So that's like when I basically, like when I made that movie, got more involved in the process and I was like, okay, this is really fun. I like doing this. This is like a fun way to kind of creatively like challenge myself and, and still connect and be around that kind of lifestyle. And I just realized how many people were like trying to like be a pro way skater and like how little people like were exposing themselves to those other sides of things yeah that i was like i want to keep doing this and like ride and, and be competitive and, and and progress and you know continue being good at way skating but like I, I started getting more and more satisfaction out of the the filmmaking side of it and evan gave me like the inspiration to like always try to think of what more can you do that other people aren't doing with this sort of stuff that like there's something untapped there's something that you can do that would be unique and additive beyond what people already are currently doing because at that time people kept putting out like little web videos or mm. they were doing like little projects here and there but like what can we do to be like even more than what people are currently doing and mm -hmm. i think when i when, yeah. at that point we subsisted like just launched when uh identic had come out so the goal was to like come out with like a full like at that point, like a blog that like came mm. out a blog post, I guess, or like a story breakdown of like eidetic and like came together with like a few dozen bit like images for us to post like a big piece on it. And at that time, like nobody was like there were people releasing like full videos between like 25 to like 40 minutes, but there they it was just like they said it and they forget it. Like that that was it. Yeah. People talked about it for a little while because that was like the point in like wastegame.com and like internet videos that they were coming out all the time. Yeah. Like you're getting volume yeah. wayscape videos every, every year you're getting all sorts of different like web edits. I think, you know, a couple, you know, like a couple years prior, like, you know, fun boots had come out, aqua frogs had just come out the year before mm. all this like, cool videos were coming out, but like, that was it. It was just a video. So I want to come out with like a story and like photos yeah. and like a journalization of it. And then we hosted that on, we subsist for a while. And then just that little bit more just something that can kind of, people can engage with beyond just the video yeah dude and they kind of carry through from project to project <laughs> <you're> like yeah <laughs> on, on a whole yeah other yeah for sure and then like trying to find different ways to keep producing content so like that was 2011 the following year we had i had done like those seasonal videos right yeah, like, yeah. Uh, those were i was really like cool. i yeah. made one big one now let's like yeah. break it up let's do like more dedicated you know individualized pieces so you know juggling 
eight riders and trying to make like a big long form video is like it's a lot of work for only one point of satisfaction ending and like giving it to the you know the public versus like all right let's chop it up and let's have like more specialized easier like to manage use cases of people and then like film that so you know i spent the the summer of or like the full year of 2012 trying to film four different seasons you know uh nick in the spring you know brett in the summer keaton in the fall and dave in the winter and like come with like a more uh chopped up version of like smaller short films versus the larger big film and just like kind of make content in a different way that still has yeah. a continuity of a series yeah. from a single person but not in the uh, the same way that Idetic did yeah. and we still try to come out with like video like photos and stuff that would come along with that too so like when I released Harvest on We Subsist it had like a bunch of photos that came out with the two it had like an interview with Keaton it had like a little breakdown of the story and so that was cool. Like always trying to give more multimedia to the project than just kind of like a, a video being dropped out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I feel like that's so valuable. Yeah. No, it really is. And it, it shows like in the, in the final product as well. And yeah, like just you said, builds it more. And like you said, it's something to talk about. It's not like, here's the video. Talk about it for whatever week or whatever. And then just get kind if of that forgotten. stuff yeah. was coming yeah, out so quickly. Yeah, yeah, it was. Like, I remember, like at that stage, especially like next spring part, like Fortenberry was dropping like two, dropped like two or three videos in yeah. like the space of like a couple months. Next part came out. It was just like one after the other. Yeah, I was so hyped for that one too, because like that was like right after you know Nick had done a lot of stuff for More Than Machines. And so like Nick, Nick's writing was just stellar. It was so sick. He uh, like had complete command over his wastegate. Like I had talked about him a little bit, like there's so much shit that we could do at the Island. Like, it's going to be so rad. Like I have so many ideas of stuff. Like I would love to see you try and like us to do. And then like a week before I flew to go there with me and Evan to, to film there, I, he, the announcement came out that like he went to remote and we, I I go there. I'm like, wow, this is going to be so different. I have no idea what to expect. Like with, his writing like all i saw was like yeah. that little clip of him at henshaw's or whatever and yeah. like of him behind ski and i was like i wonder what he can do like i wonder what he can actually yeah. do in that board and like what we're going to film now like it's completely different i had like a, yeah. a, a different idea of what like kind of stuff we'd be focusing on or what he wanted to do and so it was like the first video of him on a remote that people saw that was like more long form and it was filmed yeah. on like a long weekend in ami <laughs> and it turned out really sick like i'm really happy with how it turned out i just was not what i was expecting at all with him on a on a remote and it like there was stuff that he did in that video though that like I'd never really seen him do on uh, a like a, an integrity up close. Like I saw some stuff in like one of the machines, but seeing him do like the sickest varial heel, I think I still have ever seen him do on that remote in, in that video. Like it looks so so good. Like just how well yeah. he yeah. had command of that wayskate already. Like it was still a little big and clunky versus like his newer remotes that he started transitioning toward, but it was an interesting moment in his like weight skating history, that yeah. video. Yeah. It was cool that you got, you got, you got in, in that time, like yeah. very, like the, the, there wasn't a lot of footage of that time. Nick on the thicker. Yeah. Still on the original. That like was like remote. one of the first like big sort of weight skate controversies. Like scandal. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, Oh my God. Nick's it definitely blew up weightskating.com at that time. Yeah, that, like I remember that thread massively. being like, over like 50 pages yeah <laughs> like of people being like this is crazy who would have guessed it yeah <laughs> and now yeah. like to me like it, it may he makes way more sense on that crew anyway like yeah. yes 
I, I love the integrity family. Like Mitch is the man, Blake and Josh were sick. Like that, that Louisiana family was like my second family. And like Fortenberry is obviously like one of my close friends and like him and Nick having the, the, the Island over there, like was cool. But like, unless Stu like stayed on integrity back in the day and like, he didn't go to CWB and if like Grant Roberts had stayed on integrity and like, they had like that, that four, like for the Florida side of it, it would have been like a cool little, like kind of got three and three or four and four. Yeah. And, and that kind of, you know, spin of things, but he just seemed to fit in really well. And that with the yeah. remote team, it ended up being so sick when they did good ratio. So yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with how it worked out for Nick. And like, I think his style is so sick on that remote too. Like, I don't think he missed a beat really between yeah, the, no. the board changes. Yeah. There probably would have been some stuff that he could do on an integrity that he couldn't do on his remote, but like, I love his style on the remote. I mean, I still yeah. do, but like his, 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 his riding and good ratio is so awesome. I mean, and that's, that's one thing you like, you, you brought up, you said the varial heel. I feel like his heel flip tricks looked a lot better on the remote. Like he doesn't, he, yeah, I, I, he doesn't do, I like, think in general, there's like tricks on wood boards look there. They might be easier to do on integrity with like how well crafted, like the center of gravity and like how it reacts with how it flips, like kind, yeah. of, kind of like a skim, but like uh, the way a wood board looks when you're flipping it and like how it catches the light and how it cuts through more of the water not being a white board like yeah. it just comes across looking better on film or on photo film. Yeah, yeah that's true i agree yeah that's very true so because i always used to get my board used to be always be overexposed on <laughs> when i was riding the old integrity no, it was always... that white one yeah jeez yeah kid i never yeah. thought about that yeah. i remember whenever we'd ride it was kids would be like don't wear that shit and that's too busy that's like <laughs> <laughs> But yeah i mean that's just if you're not like constantly behind the camera like you don't realize how it impacts other other things like that's one of the biggest things though too is that like a, a a writer who has a history with making videos or like how or shooting photos or like working with other people is gonna have a better sense of what they need to do with their tricks or what they're wearing or whatever however they yeah. time stuff right like if you're if you're doing a chase set and the ski isn't quite where you want them to be like as they're accelerating, like you have to wait that extra two or three seconds longer. So you know that like you're at the right angle for when the trick is going to be opening up and doing mm. something. Yeah. And like Nick, not to like spend a bunch of time on Nick, but he's one of those people that has like that keen insight into like how and when he should do stuff and what he should be wearing. And he just has that like photographer's eye that he yeah. knows the right way to conduct himself and do things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'd say that all that is studio mode shooting and stuff like that taught me so much when it comes to, yeah. to that kind of stuff. Like, and it just results yeah. in your content that you create, like when you're on the water, it turns out just better too. Like yeah. people that yeah. just like rush things. They don't know how, like where the position of things are. Like, unfortunately your content just ends up not being exactly what you want because mm -hmm. unless you have a filmer, that's like very demands like do it again. Like they're like rarely someone's yeah. going to tell yeah. you some, if, especially if it's difficult to like do it again. So you have to also kind of bring a little bit of like the, the creative direction to the, the process. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, yeah. Like when you have that, when you have that vision of how you want that trick to look like you, you always see it as a rider, you always see what it's going to look like on film, but you need to kind of be able to communicate that or work mm -hmm. your way around also having that side of it, depending on who's filming you. <laughs> yeah for sure i mean there's some people that like are really quick at adapting and like moving through the, the process and, and making things look the way they want to yeah and there's other people that can kind of make anything work for them like 
I always think of Tad as like a super low maintenance, like creative director, right? Like whenever he's working on more of the machines or if he was helping with the studiomo or if he was really doing anything, like he, he has a good way of like using very little energy on site to still get something really well. Like he can basically put himself in a position where no matter how it kind of plays out, it's still going to be usable for him in a way that's going to work. Like yeah. for me, like I feel so, I feel like I paint myself into so many corners that like I have to do something this way for it to end with the result <laughs> yeah. that I want. And I can see him kind of like, you know, floating around and getting exactly what he wants without much effort. It just seems really easy for him. Whereas yeah. like, I feel like I'm pulling my own teeth out, like trying to get what I want. <laughs> I'm, I'm far more manic, manic <laughs> on site, you know? <laughs> no, but I, I, you, it might feel like that for you, but I mean, definitely again, you know, like, I mean, I was, I wasn't with you with all your projects, whatever over a studio, you definitely got into a groove as we got into it like it's everything just like if i think about that last little bit of winching we did in that last year that i was there man that felt like we felt like and we were in such a groove after that like where you could just tell whoever was shooting the second angle da, 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 and it was like easy it was i remember the first time you gave me a camera and asked me to film something i was like uh i don't know what like this is <laughs> awful <laughs> yeah i mean every everything gets easier with time and more practice right like yeah i probably was a bit more composed at that point because that was you know at that point it was eight years nine years of, of yeah. working on stuff and getting and getting better yeah. at it but it's all part of the learning process back to like the 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 seasonal stuff like it was just the next project to learn something new about it like i was still like super ambitious with what i wanted to do without really knowing the reality of like a filmmaker in way setting especially based out of texas because like we were kind of insulated out west like there wasn't we weren't in the florida scene so it became kind of grandiose of what you thought you could do like the seasonal videos didn't even begin with those four people in mind like i want to do like a big texas video like a fun one with those same guys but, and originally it was Nick Spring, it was Andrew Pastura Summer, it was Keaton um, Autumn, and it was Matt Hooker Winter. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to capture those different kinds of, kinds of styles. Yeah. And I didn't know Andy P that well at that point. I didn't know Matt that well at that point. I had talked to them separately at Wayskate, at Wayskate Tour events and really like, we sound like we were down to do it, but like, we didn't really think about logistically how we'd make it happen and like how much time and effort would have been involved in doing it. And I was still like more or less unproven. Like I had done like eidetic, but it wasn't something that like you could be like, yeah, I'm going to set aside a week to work with this kid from Texas to like put together a video when, you know, at that time, you know, Matt Hooker's about to go off and do good ratio, you know, and, <laughs> you know, Andy was like full blown, like doing the full water monsters thing. Yeah. And like they were beginning the human rocket stuff, um, you know, maybe a year or two later. I don't even, I can't, the timeline becomes fuzzy at this point, but it's, it's a lot to kind of expect just some random person to do that stuff. So I was like preparing myself for like how you logistically adapt to someone like falling through in that level. And I just, that further preparation to be able to do a studio right. Cause it's so yeah, much yeah. more to manage. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So after the, the seasonal videos, when did, when did the idea for a studio come around or when did you start thinking about the next project? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, at that time, I became like super close with Andrew Fortenberry. And he was one of those people I kind of like pinned on as like, this kid's a freaking phenom. Like he can yeah. do everything. Like he's going to be the sickest weight skater alive. And he can do anything he wants in the water, like without question, like there's nothing he can't do. And that's when like I filmed the celebration video with him. 
Um, and I just started kind of hitching my wagon to that kid. I was just like, this kid is so good. I'm going to be this kid's filmer. Like I'm going to be the, (laughs) we're going to make the sickest projects ever. Like he had just gotten like he, we, he was riding for integrity. We did the celebration part. We like filmed it in like a week and a half between Texas and Florida. And we like got it launched for his birthday. Like I edited it on the car to Florida and then in his (laughs) living room on his birthday while the party was going on for his 21st birthday to air it that night. And we put out the celebration video. We filmed it in like a week and a half, edited it in two different sessions and then released it. And I was like, this kid is a freak. He did all this stuff in like a week. And it's stuff that I had never seen people like really do before, at least at this consistency level. Yeah. Like if this kid is as good as I think he is, like it's going to be impossible not to create like some of the sickest videos like ever. And then like after that, we had made that video. And then the following year, I did the, the video pay it forward with him. And that was like, one of my favorite videos ever made just like we had more time we spent maybe a month making it and yeah. he did some of the craziest stuff in that video dude he did like still to this day probably the best three flip down and drop i've ever seen down yeah. metro west yeah. it's just it's so good it's insane how good it is yeah that three flip was insane yeah. i remember when you guys came and filmed that at deets and he did the back bake like pole jam yeah and i was like I did not even think that was possible off that pole jam, and he just came and like did not like nine tries maybe at the, the most. Jam that was there when I was there. Yeah, at the pool, Jesus. and like he he backpicked that, and I was just like, okay, this is this yeah. is, this dude's real. <laughs> this is like yeah. that was wild. So I think to get back to like how the beginnings of a studio what kind of started, like that was like one of those things where I was like. I'm exposing myself to people that are like on a different level, like people that like have a certain level of like capability or I, I I never would have thought of being able to spend this little amount of time to get something this much out of the process. And I'm like, and I just, my eyes started getting wider, what I thought I could do. And I just wanted him to be a big part of that sort of stuff. And at the same time, what I like, I haven't really talked about too much is that that same year, like 2012, when I had finished doing the seasonal stuff and like started working with Ford Maymore, that's when I got, uh, a call from project, right. The, the introduction to like join yeah. project and do stuff there and be able to kind of travel more and expose myself to different parts of the world. And like, when I saw like the different communities and areas within like the plant that like have way skating and like have different sceneries and, and relationships to the sport, that's when I like saw the scope of what like a project could be on mm. like a, uh, for something like a studio mo, but it still was still far away. Like there was still yeah. a lot more that I, I got to expose myself to before I realized that like you had you guys in South Africa, you had, you know, Matt Rogers and Matt Edwards and, and Leary and Australia and like these different people sprinkled about where it's like the, the full scope of waste skating like hasn't been captured on film yet, like yeah. where everything is and like how many different people are involved in different areas that you can do it. And I, I that was something I really wanted to capture at some point. I kind of got that seed in my head mm. when I started working with projects and like doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, that, that was really cool. I remember meeting you and like just sharing all the stories about the Brazil crew and the guys and what yeah. was going on there. And like seeing you ride for project was, I think, super cool for everyone to yeah. see. It's like just bringing that to the States. Have we spoken about how you guys met or how, how where you guys met for the first time? We and... met for the first time uh, very briefly at the Battle Falls in 2012. Um, Kid seems to remember that better than me. And then when we spoke about it, like he was in the car with Nick and apparently they drove past us. Um, but then the next year at uh, 
retention. That was like when we when we started like talking properly, and then I knew I knew Brett because I met Brett in the Philippines yeah. in 2016. No, not 2016, 2008. <laughs> Eight years ahead of it. Um, and Andrew, the kid, ended up driving us, driving me back to Dida. Okay. And dropped me off. And then from there, then he came back with Fortenberry. I think you guys came back twice to film, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. I think in one of the times you were, it was just you there. I don't think Dietz was there one of the times. Yes, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and I, you know, hung out there for a bit and i think that the first time we started like properly hanging out and meeting was when you were with reed yeah when i pretty much just we, we came to your house for a week and it turned into a month in in austin <laughs> yeah yeah that was yeah that, that was it that was after the texas the texas uh the texas two-step oh right yeah. Funny enough, and that's when i was filming uh colin's yes, project yeah. debut part oh uh, yeah yeah we were filming yeah. Colin's, colin's part yeah, that one was crazy. That was probably the, besides the studio, that was like the hardest I had ever worked on a video part ever. Because like, was, at that point, like everyone had crazy, crazy job schedules. Like we can never get people coordinated enough to like meet up together to like film. And then at the same point, like I was full blown, like working and in college, Colin and I were both working at the same like electric cab company downtown. Yeah. So we'd have like work at night and we'd be filming like this part and I'd be going to school, he'd be working um and uh i think he was i think he was still in school he was about to graduate at the time at texas state and so we would get out of classes and we would link up after class after driving and we would get in my charger we would put the winch in the back back seat you would drive you know six o'clock at night um to the winch spot well it's still like sunset so i guess not night yet but and we'd have maybe a half hour 45 minutes at that winch spot and i would set up a a, a, a tripod case camera at the top and the bottom of a drop i would drive start recording on both of those we would do hits and then whenever i had gotten the clip i would then take those two shots and then like artificially punch in and create pan and zoom as if someone was operating the cameras so they didn't look just like static and so like half of his part was just filmed me and him winching like nobody else was there just me and him like missioning after class or school or a class or work and we would just have like these 45 minute opportunities at spots at like sunset to get clips. And that was some of the most clutch weight skating I've ever seen in my life from Colin. Like we get to a spot knowing that like it's make or break, like we've got to be able to do this. And he would just rattle off like tricks here and there. It was, yeah. it was sick. That was some of the, my most fun winching experiences with Colin. Cause it was such a grind. It was so difficult. Like doing that whole process And Texas is huge, man. Like getting to spots, like we have a lot of spots, yeah. but they're far away. And you would just like put all of your effort in trying to get something that day. And he always delivered, man. We never got like skunked out of a spot. It was, it was a, it was a fucking process. Dude, yeah. That was, I remember just like, we, we, we missioned hard that, that month I was there getting, getting clubs for his part, but that was cool. That was like the introduction to proper winching for me. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So this is how hitting yeah. a spot works. Yeah. And you, I meant my first natural spot I hit was with you guys. Yeah, like yeah. The first time I ever went. Dude, which to which one was it? Oh, dude. Um, was it Paul's Gap and Blanco? No, no. It was like, what was it called? I can't. Remember. It was quite a rocky spot though. Like, well, the drop was probably like hip high, and it was like. Was it Round Rock where there's like a 
rock shelf on the right and there's like that train track that went across yes. in front, like yes. the landing so pool really, yeah. area yes. yeah that was it okay i think i remember that too because colin didn't get a clip there at that time like we were trying to get a clip there he was trying to do a front three shove and we never got it i think we were having issues with the winch as well at that time i mean at, at that at that day and time like at that in, at that point in waste gang there was always winch problems always. yeah, <laughs> yeah these kids have it spoiled now man i don't even want to talk about it <laughs> Well, we've been winching twice, but, and we haven't really been done done anything. Yeah, yeah, we we we're busy running through some winch issues as we speak. Yeah. But to to get back to your like to tie it back in with what you were saying, Dale, is like that point that 2014 year, like when Maddie was staying with yeah. me, and I was finishing up the Collins part. That's when I like started really thinking about like what's the yeah. I hadn't done anything big in a while. Idetic was the last thing that was like a big movie. Yeah, and that's when I started thinking like, all right, I want to work on something huge because like I was finishing up school, like I I had maybe like a year and a half left in school. And like, I knew I didn't want to quite go like into corporate America yet or like have long time. Yeah. I want to work on something big and like do my last and to see what I can do, like what I can make out of it and how that changes my journey for my life. Right. And so Maddie was there and I remember getting to know Maddie more working with Colin, like talking about something I was going to possibly do like something bigger. And I, you know, met Maddie, I'd been going to Brazil. Like I realized the, the big scope of like way skating and how global it was. I'm like, I want to kind of unify a lot of people and yeah. like get something big going. Cause all the videos at the time, like you had the team videos, you had, you know, the last like main, like cross team, big meet, like team up kind of thing that like had different guys, from different I mean, companies was like more than machines at that time. And to me, like way skating is like two big movies at that point in my head in terms of like progression and like changing the game was like Sufmato and like more than machines. Like there was other movies that were like really impactful for me. Like, you know, esoteric or fun boots and then you had aqua fox which was super sick from nike but those two movies more the machines and supermodel like stood out to me as like those are the game changers those are the yeah. ones that like really changed wake skating and yeah. like set a new bar for it like what they were doing in more the machines like the amount of wenching the spots that they went to the you know lock-ins whatever whatever that they were working on like it just felt like it changed how people saw it yeah and where wake skating could go and i wanted a studio mode to like have that same sort of like weight and feeling between its significance and how it could impact or change weight skating or like how it could capture weight skating. And that was like the bar I was trying to set for myself was like, be a part of that sort of like internal mm. standard for what you wanted to see. And I felt like you achieved that in two ways, like the amount of time and effort that you put into it and like how many people you get involved in places that you go, like take your time, making, make something really big, and something good and like be diligent about it and then get really talented people involved with you that you know doesn't just include the writers but like your collaborators that you work with along the process and so that was like i met maddie i loved his style of what he was doing i was like i want to go to south africa like maddie would always tell people like colin and clint and dave and i like you should come to south africa and like yeah. like yeah that'd be sick and then i was like no i'm gonna go man i'm yeah, gonna, like, go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. see you and like, <laughs> i want to see what the deal is and going there introduced me to you guys and like that scene i'm like this has to be documented this has to be documented like in the way that it deserves to be documented and that was what i kept seeing and feeling whenever i traveled places and i'm like that's what this is missing like the full global kind of experience and capture a ton of different guys yeah like there's what is it like 11 12 people in a studio mo like yeah that really like with like proper kind of parts. So it's just yeah. like, that wasn't really done either. So it's also why it's fucking super long, but um, <laughs> it just putting in that time, like it, 
start to finish like the process like 2014 is when i started doing like the conceptualization for it like wanting to have its own proper media website and distribution mm. center it covering full scale like writer interviews and like documenting the production process coming out with content videos along the way you know working with collaborative like stuff with like the tour and like trying to make like almost like a media company that yeah. like was just like centralized around this like big media project that like ended like the you know the crescendo being the full yeah. movie release and i was like how do i and at this time like waste getting like had just now gone into like it's downward trend in terms of content and like release because i, I hope i'm not forgetting anybody and like what other people have been working on and not to downplay it, but it felt like toward the tail end of production with the studio, like nothing was being released. Nobody yeah. else was churning out content. There's nothing else out there, like keeping the progression of the, the, the sport yeah. going forward beyond like maybe those rock star videos that were covering the tour stuff. But like yeah. after, yeah. you know, like, like after like fundraiser, I can only think of nobody's perfect. That was like a video that came out after us. That was like, or during that process that was more content going out. So it felt yeah. like there was a lot of weight on my and a lot of the studio riders like shoulders to come out with content. So that was like the rider profiles, the interviews, the photo releases, like yeah. using the social media accounts to like be like a constant presence for people so they could be a part of the production journey. Yeah. Cause it felt like it was, there wasn't a whole lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. And I think for, uh, like what you did there with with that whole multimedia website and, and those releasing those like smaller little tidbits here and there with like the rider was really it's like in, it was really innovative and like like you said it added to the whole story of the thing and, and kept it the hype going because i mean it wasn't it was a massive project and it was in production for so long yeah but it it, it, it really felt like you were along for the ride and it was really cool that's what I was going for. Yeah. So it's happy to hear someone say that that wasn't yeah. like a part of the actual production <laughs> process. Like yeah. obviously like Maddie can say like, dude, I, it was like a journey. I'm like, yeah, because you were on the literal <laughs> journey. Like, <laughs> but I'm more curious about the people that like weren't there for the process and like aren't affiliated with it and like got to feel like they were getting regular updates. There was a point, there was some points where we were a bit more radio silent, like on, on, on trips or like whenever it just was a lull in production or the first yeah. couple of years when I was still in school while working on it. But I try my best to make it as like inclusive as possible with people. I probably should have been a bit more transparent about the process. So if I do have some regrets, like I was a bit too closed off to the idea of like doing more live stuff or like letting people literally into the production process. Like yeah. I remember being like kind of upset with Nick at one point on a road trip that like he did Instagram live. And I'm like, dude, you're blowing up the spot. You're like giving away the, this new location that we've never done. Like people are going to see stuff going on. Like it was such a closed minded kind of like part of this that like, it was just like my control freak director's brain on for a second. I'm like, I want this to be a surprise for everybody. And like, I want this to be like, Oh my God, I've never seen a spot like that before. This is going to be sick. Yeah. Like, let's see what they're going to do. And like, who cares if Nick has like a hundred or so people on his live, like seeing stuff of him, like fucking around in a spot, like having a more like, living journey where like you're actually there yeah. with us at the production site like I, I should have leaned into it more like it would have been a much smarter thing to do and I think you would have had people like really because there's nothing more fun than being on a winch trip with people like yeah. a road trip winch trip like it's the best like intoxicating man like yeah. how fun it is and if I had been able to like tap into that a bit more and be a little bit less like I don't know, prima donna about like my content production and like <laughs> making it like super like polished and perfect. And that's the only way that you can see it. I would have been more open to doing something like that. And I think it would have resulted in people, more people connecting with it and being a part of the journey more. Yeah. I mean, definitely, I think it would have, but 
I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mark I wouldn't uh, mark you down on that. I think what you no, did no, no, no. was incredible. So and that's your like you saying well, coming I, from someone who didn't who wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Getting to follow it and I think I'm trying to remember now. But I remember when you like launched all the stuff. It was just really very cool to go and see like and you, how you release the athletes and different and i remember like there obviously wasn't a lot of exposure with with south africans um and we only had data before that and then now uh, this was like maddie's first like big project so it was yeah. like especially for the crew down here it was very cool for us to go and see that like when he came up and his like athlete profile it was very cool that one's still my yeah. favorite for sure too. Yeah. And that's not just because Maddie's on the call, but like <laughs> yeah. the, we had, to, we had more content of Maddie than anybody else. Like we have more footage, yeah. more photos, more like stuff of Maddie than most, just about anyone else. One, it helps that you live with me for so long. Yeah. <laughs> so like it was easy to generate stuff and I was going on trips to South Africa at the time. So, but like your video, like your athlete profile and like your interview and like the stuff that we had made for you through that process to me, like was I think the the closest to like what I had in my brain of like what I wanted it to look like. Yeah. Um, and it just helped because we had all the ingredients and more resources to make it happen in time. The but top, like if it yeah. had gone my way, I would have like tried to do that for everyone and for like him. have that level of, I wanted the, I wanted the athlete profiles like when they come out to like, feel like almost like if you didn't know we were working on a movie, like that would have been a sufficient video part that came out. Like it yeah. wouldn't have been like a banger, but like, it would have been like, damn, that was sick. I really yeah. am happy that they came out with that. Not like a teaser for an upcoming yeah. video part you know yeah 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 i mean i remember i remember filming when you came to south africa that first year and you were like cool i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this full length like a studio and like let's film your thing and i think every trick you filmed of me in south africa was a trick that you're like i think you can do this and i've probably never done it yeah and kid was just like no i think you can do this let's try let's do this let's do it. like like you have had that eye to be able to look at someone's writing and know what works for them and like what they can do. And like, for me, that was the first time I'd worked with a filmer that had done that. I'd been like, cool, I'm going to sit here. You can do this. And then I'd do it. I'd be like, whoa, this is cool. Yeah. Like it's because especially back here, you know, the only people who knew writing on that technicality was like you and Dill and maybe Brian. Yeah. Everyone else was always like, was kind of like looking to us for that kind of information. So to have yeah. you come here and do that on our spots, that was really cool. Yeah, I think I think it comes down to I'm sure someone else that could do that too is someone like Dieter. Like, if you're also a wave skater and you're a wave skater yeah. that like can actually do a significant amount of like the more difficult tricks or whatever, like I ha at least have some familiarity with like how the mechanics of a wave skate trick work, how it like reacts at different spots, like what it requires of you to do. And like when you're too close to your own riding, you don't see what your potential is a lot of the time. And you kind of yeah. like have your own thoughts about what it is. But if I see that you really excel at this type of like motion and like, it's just like, okay, just instead like substitute this motion with that one and it's going to come around. Or like, you're just like, you're really good at these. Have you ever thought about like adding this twist to it? Like you never see it um, yeah. done before. And like having that different kind of perspective helps to accentuate and progress your riding in directions you didn't see so like mm. it, it comes back to surround yourself with people that have different riding styles than you yeah. and like how you can kind of steal from those people in a way more yeah. homage but you know what i'm saying no yeah yeah, yeah. definitely that, that that's 100 percent it though but yeah we also i mean we didn't we had we had tough times filming in south africa like the south african filming was never a breeze <laughs> 
it it's worth it it's definitely worth it because like you know no one else is going to go there and you know yeah. that no one else is like if, if you're not capturing it no one else will yeah, like yeah. there was the spot the spots are sick the spots are difficult to film the filming process is difficult and like getting what you need out of the out of you know what's provided is like it's, it's hard too but we also just had a lot of run of bad luck in south africa too yeah. like even yeah. before like the motherland trip but it, it's too that grind makes it so much more satisfying though. Like that trip was still like so sick. It's easy for me to say that because I didn't go to the hospital, but like <laughs> it was, and I'm, we all got deathly ill too. Like that was, that was gnarly too, but yeah. Yeah. It's, what happened? You got swallowed the water. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't get sick. <laughs> Your immune system. Yeah. Well, I was used to the African water. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that was the first time I had gotten badly sick there. Like that yeah. was my fourth time there or fifth time there. And I had never yeah, gotten like badly sick. And then when I was, for whatever reason, that trip, like got all of us, it got me, it got Drew, it got Cole, it got Zuzana. Like it's, we all like took a tumble for at least like it, it, each of us were out a different day for like a full day. Yeah, it was like it was like a week where it just cycled through each person. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what it was either. And like I didn't even get in the water, so it wasn't the water. Yeah. No, I don't know what it was yet. Did it to you? Because I'm pretty sure Drew's was that that one winch spot. Like uh, I'm pretty sure that one spot messed like we messed him up. Um yours I was before that. I was I was at when we were still at the house. Like my bad one was when we were staying. Yeah, yours was Um, at the contest. Yeah. Yeah. It started at the end of the contest somehow managed to scrape by that evening too. And then when we got back to the house, I was like, dude, I'm done. Like I feel horrible. Yeah. That is, that is one thing I don't think I'll ever do again is try to organize two contests yeah. and a road trip for me to winch in at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It was a bit ambitious of like what we could, <laughs> yeah. but that, we, that we trip too was like more about like, trying to stoke the fire again to like the, we had such a savior complex like in that production crew that like of the idea that like we could go film a movie in south africa with cole and drew and like that was going to reignite the passion for waste skating in south africa <laughs> yeah. and, and to the point where like you're gonna get like a whole new crop of waste skaters again it's gonna like restoke the fire and like we're gonna rebuild the scene like it's gonna be sick and then it's like you guys are fucking sociopaths if you think you're that big of a deal. Like, <laughs> but, but I mean, at that point, like we had the Grom factory going and the coast. That was like, like the, the biggest it was. Stoke City was yeah. like at its busiest as well. So it was like it felt like that was the t- that was that's was when it was gonna happen. Yeah, and obviously, like Joel, Cole, and Drew weren't thinking that themselves. But I was going to be like, this is gonna be sick for their scene. Like, this is gonna be like we're gonna we're gonna do a, like it's gonna we're gonna film there. We're gonna like have our contest. We're gonna like be like a huge like huge ambassadors for the sport. Like, it's gonna be we're gonna like I don't know. It's just a young guy thinking that like he can have like a huge massive impact. <laughs> I think for yeah. for a lot of people, it still did. Might not might not be the impact that we. I think for the core the core group of riders, it was a massive impact. Um, but yeah, South Africans are we're difficult. It was a fun ass time though. That Stoke yeah. City contest with like two step and everyone being there, like yeah, it was sick. I had uh, such a fun yeah. time being. I was there. bummed I missed that one. That was that was that whole that whole trip was super super fun. I mean, obviously, like you say, other than uh, having to take Drew to the hospital, that was. Um, There's just all sorts of weird shit that was going on during that trip though. Like there was like that manhunt that was going on at one of the spots. And they had like the helicopters going in cop cars. Oh yeah, yeah, that was wild. Jeez, yeah, how many people that. can say they were part of a manhunt? Yeah, like as we pulled up to the spot, 
<laughs> yeah like it was it was nuts and like they're like the they were like it's just another side of the highway like they might come across <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> they had like ditched a vehicle and then they're taking off on foot like it was absolutely nuts yeah you could, whenever we'd see a person like coming up to this spot we'd be like all sketchy like oh what's going on what's is going on guy? Like, who is this guy yeah it was it was intense for sure yeah, like that a, that it was like a drug dealer or someone that they were like in pursuit yeah he's like he was armed with a knife that's what i was saying like he was armed with a knife and like he's on he's on the run and like you could hear like a <laughs> helicopter like it was <laughs> fucking crazy we yeah. ran to a lot of cops on that trip all of them super cool like the, the that spot and then the pretoria spot we have a photo with them like that that yeah. one was sick too like they're just they're just so starting to see something so weird and wild going on yeah they were like they're like no one was really sure it was yeah cool. and then- we actually had like all, all across the studio mode though like we had really good run-ins with cops like the only times it was bad was the heat stroke trip and even then it was more like like rent a rent a cop fake cops like, yeah. like property management people and stuff like that but like the vague northwest trip like they kicked us out like when we were trying to sleep on the side of the highway and stuff like that but like when we were in Colorado, the cops were super cool. And like, oh, yeah. we never had any issues there. Like they just, they were stoked when we were hitting spots. Um, motherland trip, they were sick. Um, you know, a lot of the filming around in the U S like non-related on trips, like when we were in Florida and we were filming with Bammer and, and Nick Robinson, I think it was, were you with me for that? And like the cop came over and like, we just talked about like one of the ladies was like complaining at one of the houses like telling us oh, that like yeah. we were disturbing all this sort of stuff like just hooligans like degenerates like doing all saying all the bad things <laughs> she possibly could and the cop shows up like looks at her looks at us and's like and she's like he's like go back inside like let them do what they want like <laughs> they're not doing it like they're not hurting anybody like they could be doing much worse things right now than this and like he talked to us for like maybe like a half hour like being super interested i'm like this is the exact thing i want to see like people like just use common sense for like a half a second and just yeah. like think about the situation the stakes at play like what yeah. else we could be doing with our time right now and like he just had such a pragmatic attitude toward it that you just don't see from so many like authority figures and like yeah. they just want to make the the homeowner happy with whatever's going on and like we're we're like over 100 yards away from her house you can barely even hear the winch like it just has nothing to do with her and you can just tell that she just wanted to be upset yeah. for that reason only yeah. I mean, I remember at MGAP as well, like the guy came, they, they came back and they were like, cool, just get done what you need to get done and then you can go kind of thing. They weren't like yeah, trying to get us out or anything. They were just like, look, it's, yeah, get your shots and then we, go. Yeah, like we had our fair shares of people kicking us out and we had some, you know, annoying, mean cops, but like, I think we got super lucky. Like it, it could have been, we could have been blocked from a lot of spots. Yeah. yeah, I think um, with you know, South Africa not knowing, with it being such a small sport, yeah, probably get away with it easier with the cops. They're not there. What is this fishing? Yeah, yeah. yeah the cops are generally like us. I'm trying to think. I don't. I've never actually been kicked out yeah. by the cops. The spot. I'm just yeah. surprised we don't get like faced with like the the bribery situation more, where it's like they could see us like being in like a guilty situation and just like looking for. Like, I think if we were closer to Joburg and we were doing more stuff around there, maybe it would have been more prevalent. But I think because we're on the outskirts of different places, it would have like it didn't matter as much. They probably wouldn't know what to charge you with here in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, um, 
I mean, with the, the, the Pretoria cops are just so stoked because you guys were American. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's it. That, that is. is that is. They're just like, oh, movies. Stars. Like, it's like yeah. the movies. Yeah. They were like, and if you tell them you're making a movie, hey, then they, then they, uh, then they're cool. Then they're like, hey, yeah, man. but you would think like if they're like trying to, get some, they would be like permits. You need to have a permit or like, you know, if you're trespassing, like whatever the case may be. I think in, uh, in Cape Town, you would get in certain parts, certain parts, you'd they would ask for a permit. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, actually, that the only place really got kicked out of was the ledges, the Sharker ledges at the in Durban. Yeah, that would make sense, though, right? Like that. Yeah, we were expecting that. Yeah. yeah. And we thankfully were able to kind of like just like talk them in a circle to the point where we were like left before it like got worse. Like <laughs> they were like waiting on like another person to show up and we're like, you know, we're going to just jet. We'll get out of your hair like before it got like even worse. Yeah. But I remember us telling him that like the only way we could get the rope back was if I rode it back. Yeah. So that's how like we got one more hit in. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> it's like the only way we can get this back is if he rides it back in they're like okay cool you can go yeah <laughs> one last ditch attempt to get something uh, there's a there's a spot um that we want to go check out when the winch is working literally right outside a police station in paul yeah kind of got a beefy drop but yeah. we were saying that could, that could work for us or against us we're not sure yet yeah there's <laughs> a quite a cool yeah, looking drop there yeah, so, well, we've gone we've gone way way off the track now. <laughs> We're in a studio. Yeah, I mean that. Look, if I'm being honest, like if we want to like dig through a studio, well, that's like a that's like an, an a, a, another pod entirely. Like there's yeah, easily a couple, like three series. to seven hours to unpack from that. Like we could do full we could do full dives with like each group of people on like in the individual trips. Like that that's probably the better way to handle it because I can like firstly I pride myself as like being honest that like i don't have the best memory in the world so like having like recapping the the trips would be way sicker like with like yeah. maddie and trav and like nick there for like the vague northwest yeah one. or like yeah. drew and cole and Susanna like on another like pod to go through motherland or yeah. or you know the heat stroke one had a fucking crew on it man that one was if yeah. i can do two minutes on heat stroke like that would that that trip was so sick Heat stroke that, that we got so much stuff. shit like we got kicked out like every spot but we were always able to grind out like clips and like we went we covered the most ground we went to national parks like there was across us like there was maybe like nine of us i think at one point never yeah. not all at once but it was god that trip was sick that that one was so so cool and it was like the last one that we had did too so it, like we covered we covered so much and got so much stuff so many clips yeah that was that was a cool one to join in on. It was crazy, like off the plane, everyone's just like this, 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 this. Me, I was like, jeez, okay. <laughs> yeah, you you jumped in like in the right in the middle of like shit picking up, and yeah. yeah, you you jumped right into the session too. Like we, that's when we like started hitting Vegas hard on a because Vegas has a ton <laughs> of sick winch spots. Yeah, that was cool though. But that was like, like you said, we we got to go to Zion. We did uh, the Lake Powell trip. That was like, that there, was there, cool. we covered the whole gamut, man. Anything that you could ever want out of a wind trip, we did it. We did, like yeah. just un- unbelievable, like spots, awesome people, sick national park, like camping trip, like we like anything cool that you could think of doing, like just like a, any sort of trip, like we we did it, and like it was just no major fusses like no, nothing major like no huge injuries 
nothing like catastrophic happened. Like I crashed two drones that happened, but yeah. like <laughs> the, besides that, like everything like went relatively smoothly. Like there was some stuff on Lake Powell that was unfortunate, but like besides how hard we had to grind, like, and get spots done, like with what we got out of result in terms of content and the, the movie, like I would do it all over again. Like it, it like it was yeah. hard work. It was the hardest working I had done like on a trip, but it, the result was just so sick. Oh, that yeah, was amazing. Did a real um, labor of love. That's like it showed. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, that was like one of my favorite things about, just like one of my favorite things about wake skating was that the. You know, if if you skate, you kind of stuck to like mostly urban spots. Like you're going city to city, maybe a little bit out. If you surf, you stuck to the coast. But we kind of like. Uh, all the national parks I've ever been to in the States were on a wake skate trip. Yeah. And like, I yeah. got to see over 20 states because of, because we could wake skate through all of them. Like, that's, yeah, that's the one I'm, cool I thing. I mean, Vague Northwest was like half a wake skate trip and like half, like, dude, let's just explore the country. Like, yeah. <laughs> Grand Tetons, Yellowstone, like all the parks around like Colorado, like there, Montana, like go, driving through like big, big sky country, like all sorts of different spots. Like, we did we did a bunch of wave skating and we got a lot of cool stuff but like that was probably the most like i think like connected to like nature i've ever been on like a, on a wave skate trip like that felt like like way more like i don't know if i ever went on like another wave skate trip again and hopefully i do um it, i would want to look like that than like yeah. any of like the crazy hardworking ones that we had done before in the past and like all the regiment like the flow of that trip was just so much more like storybook but yeah. it was those like those breaks i don't know like I, we we kind of needed them because we hit like we hit some big spots or we hit spots hard when we did hit them on that trip yeah yeah there are some really intense ones for sure but yeah I mean, I hurt myself not even on a winch spot. I just, <laughs> just was fucking around in Yellowstone and I jumped from a rock <laughs> to another rock on a, like a rapids area. And I just like double heel bruised myself. Dude. And then, <laughs> and then like a few days after that, we go to the, you know, do you know that spot that travel seat like cab 180 in and then dropped and then dropped again? Like yeah, yeah. Nick and I didn't think it was possible. Yeah. Like we were like, no, you're just going to stick. Like there's not enough water there. Kids, I can, I can do it with two heel bruises. He goes and he's like the first one to hit the spot to yeah. prove to everyone that the spot is actually hittable. <laughs> so he goes with two with two heel bruises and hits that spot just so that someone would actually hit the spot and get the clip. <laughs> We're like, geez, it was up. a fucking. We drove so far <laughs> to go there and like these. It was like we got honest, an yeah. extra. We got an extra day from Trav Belcito too. So like it was like we got to get something. Like we got a free day from Trav after his flight got canceled. And like, I was like, we drove really far to this spot in Montana. It looks awesome. Like, it looks so sick. It's for sure doable, at least in my head was. <laughs> and then like, I heard you guys and I was just like, dude, you guys aren't going to hit this? Like, this is so awesome. And like, Trav was still quiet. Like, he hadn't said anything yet. And I was just like, I think it's doable. And like, like, and then like, I like, if, if I need to do it, like to show that like it can be doable, then I'll, I'll fucking do it. Like if I just have to hit it once, like with double heel bruises and me having not wake skated since Fort Collins, when the, the step up spot, that was the last time I had, a, I'd hit a spot just for fun myself. And I was like, fuck it. I'll do it. And all I, in my head, all I had to do was like, just hit it, skate off 
And like, who cares if you don't land, like they'll land it. You, you don't have to land it. And so I just, I hit the spot. I like land it. And all I do is like, I'm sitting underwater in the spot. I'm like, thank God. Like, just like, <laughs> thank, I, I, I did it. Like it's doable. Like I for sure felt it. And I knew I could sell it back to them when I got back. It's like, it slides enough. Like I just catapulted like off the end because like I, I could do, I could try again if you want to see something more kind of thing, but like, it's doable without question. You can do it. And then that was, I think that was all that Trav needed to see. Yeah. And so when yeah. he, and then he, without super simple, because he's better than me at weight skating, he, he landed, he landed first try, like he, or at least he got close first try. Like, and, and yeah. after that point, he knocked that stuff relatively quickly after that. Yeah. It was, it was a weird one. Cause I remember him saying like, you, you, you actually like, have you ever tried to make an Ollie look good when you can't Ollie ha? Uh, yeah. That's like kind of what he had to enough, do. Cause, yeah. cause you'd keep, no, you'd, you'd keep going over it. Like you wouldn't have enough time to land on the ramp and then drop. It would be like, and then it would just be like land and then the drop and fall. So he had to do uh, like a low Ollie, but he still wanted it to look good. Uh, okay. Okay. It's quite tricky. Yeah. Cause most people would say like Ollie early and you like land further up, but then like your, your poke or your peak of your Ollie is like above, before the drop. The drop, so it's yeah. like, it doesn't look right on film. It doesn't look right on photo because like, why are you ollieing early that like you're just, it doesn't look, it looks weird. It looks like you're almost in like a flat water ollie and like you've just missed the edge of the, <laughs> yeah. the pool. And so like, yeah, so he had to do like a baby ollie, but like still poke <laughs> it out as if like he popped it big and like make it look good and still land with enough where like the main trick of it, right? Or the main cool thing about it's like landing on the bank and then riding the bank out. So like the longer that you're on the bank, the like cooler it is or whatever. Yeah. And so, and then you finish the drop off and it's still like, it's still like a two and a half, three foot drop off the end of it. Yeah. Like it still is a relatively big drop. And then like you're coming off of it at a down slope. So it's like, it, it's, it's a, it's a weird spot for sure. But I, I think there was way more stuff we could have done there too. I but think so too. It, yeah. But at the end of the day, like Trav got clips. And at that point, like when Trav stepped up and like got clips, it didn't make sense for anybody else to like go in and like try to get something else on it. Like at that point, that was Trav's spot. Yeah. And it turned out sick. And it was his closer for the movie too. Cause at the end of the day, like he, he like, you know, nutted up and hit it and got, you know, two sick clips. Yeah. But if anyone wants to know about that spot or where to go, I would love to see someone do some tricks into it. I would, I would, that would be sick. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's actually like, just thinking about it now, there's so yeah. many different options. Yeah. There's, yeah. It's cool. There was a bunch of like across film the movie, there was just so many spots there where I was like, God, it kind of sucks that this is so far so away. Far away. And like, <laughs> because there's so many spots we went to that was like, this has the potential to have like, 30 or 40 other clips on it like yeah. the you know the the clip in from motherland for colin drew's closers you could do a hundred different variations of tricks at that spot oh yeah that's with that little so bank that's attached to it and like how you could hit it going up or down or like going up the step up portion and then hitting the ledge as it comes out because it's super long going the other way too yeah, the way. and like you could hit the ledge and then drop into that thing like there was so many different things that we could do but we obviously were limited on time and light and having to get back to, and like, you know, filming in South Africa, we, we kind of kept ourselves to like a, you winch when it's daylight out and like, you don't push it. Like, and then you get, you, you know, yeah. you get back on your way. Yeah. We didn't want to be driving through there out of that spot in the dark. Yeah. I mean, we were down, we were down like an hour into a Valley, like far away from any, like, but we still had to move a guy off the road. 
God, yeah, this guy passed out in the road. Yeah, we had to like move him yeah. and left him with the water. And <laughs> like, okay, he's probably walking home from the Shabin. Yeah, yeah. That was... yeah that, that's why we were sick too, though, because we had like the whole village come and hang out like while we were working on it. And like you have, there's like a clip in the credits of like Drew walking the rope back, and there's just like I don't know, like a dozen kids on like the edge of the dam. But there was like probably not like thirty of people around like off camera, just like hanging out and like it was a cool vibe because people were just like stoked on it and like right before we got there like people were like fishing like right there like just and then they just hauled their catch like back up to the hills like it was so cool over there it was cool because mm-hmm. it, it was in valley of a thousand hills so like everyone yeah. there is super super welcoming yeah yeah and like it's it's a little bit more rural so yeah it, do you know the indigo skate camp it's that same so, it's yeah. the same valley where they have that so like, there were kind of bunch of kids that had new skating and everything too Oh, that's sick. So yeah, it was like they, yeah, the community was super, super stoked. Yeah. But I mean, just the the drive out as you got further up got a little bit. You could see the scale is insane. Too. Like being at the bottom of that valley, like with this those banks. Like, yeah, I I wish I could do a better job capturing it because it was just so unreal there. Yeah, that was cool, man. That was cool. That that that, that you know, I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for you in the states, but. That that trip took me to places I never thought I'd end up in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, there was the first like six days of that trip, we didn't hit any spots because we drove to so many places trying to scope them. Like we, we went somewhere like super far north, and we went to like that wedding venue, and like we saw yeah. that spot that like wasn't quite hittable, and like yes. we went to so many spots like hoping to be able to hit something, okay. and like get something out of it those first like few days, and like. We couldn't, but like we saw so many parts of that country I never thought we would. Like really yeah. cool spots. But it's weird. It's like South Africa has like parts of it where it's like it has almost like an American mentality where it's like tons of private land, like yeah. tons of fences and trespassing in a way that I wouldn't have expected. And then like just like there was just one thing at these different spots. Like the first like four or five spots, there was just like one thing that made it unhittable. Like yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a huge catastrophic failure of a spot. It was just like if we had, you know. A, like a, an ability to bring a car over here with enough room to like get a rope to it we could probably pull this boulder out of the landing and like get this thing you know hittable but like there was just something that stopped us in every single spot every spot yeah. yeah yeah it was i was like we got proper skunked the first few and then we found that one spot that was perfect but then it was just massive yeah like the one spot that was easily accessible where we could have hit was just huge <laughs> like oh yeah i we just we needed nick robinson on the trip yeah yeah we did <laughs> and then the uh the only spot that was super massive that we could hit it, it broke it broke our boy off yeah oh it did yeah that was yeah, a... <laughs> brutal oh, oh man un, un, unreal circumstance but we'll we'll save that story for drew to be able to tell it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> an absolute bonker bonker bonkers trip but that was a, that was a cool one, man. That 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 whole production process was super fun, and just like how many different people involved, and the entire experience of like going through it, and like South Africa felt like a really like main character in that story, man. The amount of trips we took before there and going there, and then filming, and then we had the premiere there. Like that was so sick, dude. The premieres yeah. were like one of my favorite things about the entire movie, like having a proper like world tour with premieres Premier, and like yeah, going to these different places. Well. yeah dude i loved like the premieres were, and that was another thing like being able to like organize a premiere for the, the yeah. movie was such a cool experience again yeah 
totally rad. It still pains me. Like your sister having her baby, like you couldn't be at the Austin one. Like you were, you were living at my house like yeah. <laughs> the week before or like two weeks before. And like, we didn't even get to hang out that much during that time because I, the, the last like month before the premiere, like I was literally holed up in my house, like building the coffee table book. Like that took yeah. me a month and then editing the movie, which took me like three and a half weeks, like only doing that every single day. I would see Maddie and people at night, like after <laughs> I'd like work throughout the day. Like I'd see people, I'd see him like after he'd been living with at Dave, uh, yeah. at Dave's house for a little while, like hanging out with him and Colin for, you know, uh, you know, like, uh, like a week. And like, I would see them like at night for like a couple of hours and I'd have to go back out to the lake and keep editing and working on the movie. Like, and I was just like, dude, you can't leave. You've got to be here for the premiere. You're no one had been a part of the process longer than him. I was like, you've got to yeah. be here for like, this is like, almost like, it's like almost your movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> <come on. laughs> Yeah, I know. I wish I could have been. I think it was, it was a little bit longer than two weeks. So it was like it was like a month that extra that we were out. It, yeah, I don't know. It was it was close. It, it was, was close. It, you yeah. and Drew were the two people like I wanted to be there so badly because like Drew didn't know he had the closer. He hadn't seen a single part. Like no one saw their part at the premieres. Like the, my rule with the writers was that like you don't get to see your part until you come to the premiere, yeah. and then if you get to the premiere, you have x notes that you can give me after right like you can say like i want you to do this this and this part i'd love if we got rid of this or if we changed that but like you have to see it at the premiere and if you see it at the premiere then we can change it for the public launch yeah and thankfully everyone who did go to the premiere had no notes like yeah. they, they were happy with how it turned out but i was i wanted to have drew at the awesome premiere so he could like hear the first crowd like we sold out two show times like full pack theater and like having people there to like see him like close it out like when i don't think he thought he was gonna get the closer like because like maddie had insane footage cole had insane footage nick had insane footage like anyone could have had the closer and like drew has a bunch of closers and it's kind of like true to form that he had it but like it would have been so sick for him to have made it and yeah. but another reason why he couldn't make it was because he was filming a lot of bangers in the philippines at the time so like he sent yeah. them over just uh, like yeah maybe like two weeks before the movie pre premiered so it, I understand why I couldn't make it, but I was super hoping that him and Maddie were going to be there because they, yeah, they, 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 they couldn't be there for the first one. Cause that, that one was fucking electric, man. That, and then yeah, having the, the gallery after in the after party and like having everybody there, like that was sick too. Yeah, dude, I can imagine that sounded insane. I remember like, just like the story trying to sleep that night. It's yeah. just like, uh, I wonder what song you used. I wonder where yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was one of my favorite things too with the movie is like the music that i i had used for it like there was a couple special songs for it like the york taro alt j song was obviously yeah. one that we had talked about like maybe two years before you'd even like finish movie talking like, do the movie um cole showed me his part song just like not even as a as a, an edit song just like he just was listening to the song he like he, he like showed to me thinking I, I would i would like it and it was just like we we show each other music all the time like it yeah. was just one of those things that i was like i heard it i was like i like saw the timestamp for it. i'm like i'm gonna use this song like and it was still yeah. it was on the motherland trip so we still had like a year and a half before the movie came out and i'm like this is it this is cole's song and then he got yeah. too much footage like he got so <laughs> many bangers so i was like i almost can't use this song because he has too much footage and <laughs> it got to a point where i was like okay we can cut we can cut this we can cut that and like it's and then i can kind of cram this section like the hit the end of his part is like really fast paced for how the song is because he had so much footage so much footage yeah. um 
Yeah. And then dude. the the travel song too was a big one for you and I, the court song with TV yeah. on the radio. Dude, that song, yeah, I stole it every time I played. I'm like, Dale, you know, kid yeah. kid told me this is gonna be the travel song yeah, when like, he get his first South African trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard that story a few times. Yeah. 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 It, it, up. it it just ha- it it has the mood, man. It just has yeah. the travel mood. Like when I hear that song, I'm like, I want to go travel the world right yeah. now. Yeah. Like that that song just it gives me that vibe. Yeah, it is Definitely. one of our favorite sections in the movie as well. Yeah, yeah. like when, when when someone's like, and when people are like, oh, can like, where can I watch it on like like a song? I'm like, honestly, watch the travel section. If you don't have time to watch any parts, yeah, watch that travel section first, and then you will watch the rest. Yeah, because it's just gonna suck you straight in. Yeah, all right. It's yeah, so good. It's definitely like a nice respite, like having those like that part and like the interludes in between the movie too just like yeah. kind of yeah, having yeah, a different yeah. pacing like trying to make it more of like a like my mom can sit down and watch it and it won't be like yeah man this is a lot of hardcore weight skating like like yeah, making yeah. it more yeah, it was you can kind of capture more casual fans with it no, i mean it's cool i mean we had, had the studio had three premieres in south africa yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was crazy <laughs> i i can't i when you kept him like hey man i'm gonna have another premiere i'm like just send me the file i'm like okay and like you did it and like i'm gonna do another one <laughs> because i mean there was a long time where the movie wasn't out and like there was just kind of like a hype being built around it and like we had premieres because like i wanted to have the premieres where no one could have seen the movie before it happened right so yeah, like there was yeah. the austin one and you can only get so far right like i wanted to be at all my premieres so it was like yeah. I did the Texas one and then I did the Orlando one and like all of them had galleries to a degree. Like we had a mini one at, at South Africa, but like I had a gallery, the Texas one, I had a gallery at the the Orlando one. I had a gallery at the, the Slovakian one. And like, we auctioned off all the, the prints, right. From the writers. And if the writer was there, they would sign it. And so, and then at all of them, we were selling the coffee table book too. So like, there was like, I wanted to be there to kind of control what was happening. And yeah, that was you could only cover so much ground in that amount of time. Right. Like you, you, I had a month basically to do premieres and like, if you're going, you know, middle of the United States to East coast and then to South Africa and yeah. then up to Slovakia, Slovakia, like you can only cover so much ground, like have proper events where people can attend them. Like you're going to do them on weekends. Right. So yeah, it was, it was intense, but so, so fun. Like, and then I didn't want to hold out any longer for people either. So right after the Slovakian one, I had the, the, Europe trip with Susanna and uh, Ollie. And then I premiered it from a, a hotel room in Munich, Germany, before I got into a train to go home. Like, it was, I didn't take any longer than I needed to with the release, but I did feel it. Like, people were like, come on, where is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it is such a cool, like, like I say, from start to finish. Like, yeah. It's cool. I feel like the Cape Town premiere was my fault. So I can make the Joburg one. <laughs> You and, you and Lance, you, yeah, you, you and me like, and Lance, and you were Lawrence, like, "No, you guys got to see it. You got to have another premiere." Yeah, they have another one, and then and then we did the Durban one on the release date. Yeah, so that was like a half a premiere, but that was like it, it had released that day, and then that was when we ended up doing the premiere. Yeah. And, but yeah. It cool. would have been sick if you could make it to the Joburg one though, Dale, because that one that night was just yeah. wild. Like Dude, just before gosh. and then after like uh, Matthew and I didn't get to bed until probably like seven in the morning. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I've heard the stories. Yeah. I remember just waking up. Where are you? I think I'm close to you. Yeah, he he, he, he texts like we both we'll just say we took different tracks that night. And um he called me in the morning he texted me in the morning he's like where are you i was like firstly i have no idea secondly like i think i'm close to you though because like i think we had taken like the same cab out and then like we took like a short one like to different places and yeah that was that was a a crazy night 
that that and the Slovakia one too. Because after the Slovakian premiere, like me and Ollie and like the people from the Hangar, like we went downtown Bratislava and we didn't like I I lost them that night. Like I I was like we were at different like clubs or whatever, like and. Eastern European club scene is an intense one, man. And when you have like no service or internet and like no like, you know, SIM cards or whatever, and like you lose your host and like you just hang on to people from the premiere that you still recognize. And like you just jump from different like weird venue to venue. And like, it looks like old, like post-Soviet, like kind of like warehouses and stuff are like made into like bars and like clubs. And you go into like basements and stuff. And I'm like, I may never see Ollie and Suzanne ever again. And like, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, it's like 4.30 in the morning. And then all of a sudden I'm like, going to the bathroom in like one of these like three level basement like club things with like crazy music and like smoke and stuff and i just run into them on the stairs i'm like whoa <laughs> <laughs> finally like i got i'm alive i'm i have somewhere i can get back to tonight just craziness stuff like it was it was fucking wild that was a, a trip for sure <laughs> god uh, Zuzana is the best man like she was such a trooper on the motherland trip she helped so much for some of the u.s based like film trips like yeah it was one of those people like you film along the way and you like wish you had put them in the movie like i wish they were part of the movie like we had filmed with you more like her, her and bammer were like the two people where i'm like god i wish i had just like coordinated with you guys better to be a part of it because they were like unsung heroes of that movie that like weren't heavily featured in it at all except bammer has a wastegate clip in the movie um there's a drone shot um over ami i think in nick robinson's section where it looks like it's nick robinson ryan but it's actually bammer so bammer you have a clip in the movie my guy <laughs> nice shame <laughs> but yeah there's just so many unsung heroes of that movie like i wish i could call out everybody like Dude, matt sure. rogers and and steve at follow were sick i wish i gave them more of a shout out in the wakeboard mad piece totally just blew it on that i was so like apathetic and pissed off that we didn't get as much help on the movie as we could have gotten with like other sponsors and stuff and like follow was one of those companies that like actually put in some money and like we're super and like i just i i still regret to this day like not calling out that more but they were super awesome in australia like super accommodating like super welcoming great people and then like matt rock matt rogers was you know great there too a really cool host um to me and yan and Braden. um just so many it takes a village man to make yeah. a movie like that, especially with that scope and that time. Like there was just so many awesome people that were just, it wouldn't have happened without them. Definitely did. Definitely. Yeah. Everyone. Maddie for <laughs> sure. <laughs> dude, I mean I that it, you, you were probably like the, the, what is it? What is the person in the kitchen? The sous chef? The, the sous chef for sure for like cooking the the, the meal, the, the right hand man <laughs> for so much of that stuff. Completely different, you know, content creator by the end of it. Dude, you yeah. Weren't, uh, you weren't missing clips by the end of it. You know, what is that? The uh, the one in uh, AMI with Nick? Well, I guess you didn't miss a clip. It just I like, what was the, what happened? That was the way your camera labeled the clips was all weird. Like we thought we had lost it but we actually didn't like we thought we had deleted it or something no the but, switch nose slide the only clip that we missed in the entire movie was the switch nose slide from oh Nick no on the, that was the, the card went full or the battery or something like or something something like that happened it wasn't a complete no. miss it was a <laughs> i could have been avoided on my part i'm not denying responsibility for it <laughs> but 
Um, but I also told Nick at that time, I was like, hey, I should film this from down here before I shoot photos <laughs> with the water housing. He's like, no, let's just get the photo. And I was like, got in my head, I was like, I really want to film it down here. Yeah. So I'll throw some blame on Nick too, even though he's the one who lost it. Like he lost the clip. So you can't blame that. But <laughs> he can, he has the right to be upset. Like that was, yeah. that was another person too. Like Nick, Nick was, I put, he was an executive producer in that movie because he really was, man. Like he put so much time, effort, money, coordination. Like whenever he had an opportunity to put together resources for something, he would. Like that movie would have been 50% of what it, like what it was without him like it yeah. is crazy like he's one of those people that like every step along the way like if we take it back to the earlier part of the podcast with like that trip that i took with evan in the van you know he like he was happy to host us like he's just always said yes to everything yeah. and like i've never taken yeah. that for granted like i've always like only come to him with like one percent of my ideas because 99 percent of them aren't good enough for what he deserves so like he was so like accommodating and helpful and like such a big part of this movie that like yeah i can never thank that guy enough yeah like he he truly was like instrumental in that being a success and he has the right eye for things and yeah he's been a really really huge part of my life in that movie in particular for so long love that guy yeah. to death yeah yeah i'm not same Def same for me definitely uh like you said a yes man and i mean he's the only guys come to africa from america for a day or two a weekend yeah <laughs> a weekend casual weekend trip yeah yeah i mean he he's always been something that kind of like yeah bounce ideas off of and whenever i talk about stuff like i can always trust him to have like an honest opinion and and you know run something by like when i started kind of talking about like starting up water child and like wanting to do that aspect of like transitioning to the next thing after a studio and like what i wanted to do like he was one of the first people that I'm like i wanted to be a part about it in some capacity and like he, we haven't done anything quite yet, like physically with it. Like I've sent him a couple of things, but like, he's one of those people. I'm just like, I don't want to build anything big in my life and him like not yeah. have some sort of hand in it or like have some sort of part to play in it in some degree. Cause he's just one of those people I value his opinion, like his thought process so much with things. And he just delivers on such a high quality with whatever he does. Yeah. 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 So that's the next, the next big thing, the next passion project you want to talk talk us a little bit more about it yeah yeah i mean i'm glad we have tons of time after the two-hour mark here to keep yeah. talking on about <laughs> other things but yeah I'm, I'm i'm the next passion project man for sure the next labor of love you know if, if a studio was the thing i did in my 20s you know water child be the thing i do in my 30s and my 40s and hopefully it's a thing i hopefully do for the, the rest of my life but it's it's a slow burn it's going to be something i work on you know continuously mm. over time going forward but after studiomo i kind of went into you know i had an opportunity to po possibly fo follow some more creative projects um i had set up some meeting with some other like media publisher companies and and companies that could have turned into more kind of action adventure possible content creation stuff but it all felt so unstable and flaky and like i would be jumping from like one gig to the next without knowing if it was going to be there and i had already done that living out of vans and like barely spending any money and like just you know pushing two pennies together hoping that it would make something more to yeah. make these projects work and like it it became so taxing and like i love the result of a studio i'm so proud of it but it didn't quite like ignite what i was hoping it would in terms of like the next thing and the next thing 
And I basically was like, okay, we've got to find some stability and find out what I'm doing after that. And so like I transitioned to like general corporate America for a while and I'm still in it right now. But as I did that, it, it was a challenge and it was good, but I just didn't have the same like creative, yeah, like challenge. And I, I didn't have the same kind of um, like, uh, it wasn't as gratifying creatively. And I, I yeah. wasn't quite stoked in the same way I was before. It's hard to ever compare a life where you're traveling with your best friends and like the world and <laughs> yeah, getting yeah. and making cool things. But that's just like, what's the quickest path or what's the most reasonable path to kind of go down that and take the same elements of what I loved about my life before. And like, what's a cool way to move it going forward. And like a studio mode to me, like was kind of a selfish endeavor. Like it was something I wanted to make for myself and like, yeah, I did it for like my friends and I wanted to have them a part of the process and I wanted to hopefully help and grow way skating, but it was like what I wanted in the moment. I want to do this. I want to travel this. I want to film this. I want to make the coolest thing I can, but it never felt like it was like a part of a bigger journey or pushing or improving something on a bigger level. And so I was like, what can I do next? That's like, still keeps me traveling, keeps me on the water, keeps me like with a friends and like a healthy lifestyle and do something bigger. And so I started water child, which is, um, a water recreation and conservation company. Um, we're focusing on producing and making outdoor recreation, water-based gear. So, uh, that's inflatable paddle boards, free dive and scuba dive masks, um, we're going to be transitioning to other like equipment that connects you to, to water yeah. activities. I don't want to talk about them just yet because they're not available and they yeah. won't be for, for a little while, but just like capturing, like the way I kind of articulate to people is like they're accessories for experience. So like they're yeah. tools that help you go and do things that you wouldn't be able otherwise. Like I got Maddie more into free diving when we were working and traveling and, and filming because like, it's a whole different world, man. And like when you teach yourself how to do it properly. Like it's such a wild experience that you never would have like been a part of before. And it connects you to a part of the planet that you never knew yeah. was there. And so I want to like give more people an introduction on like a massive level and expose themselves to different things. And then paddle boards are just sick, man. Like I just, the idea of like having complete control and like just kind of traveling and moving about different waterways and exploring and taking like leisurely approaches to different things. Like we do frequent paddle trips outside of Austin yeah. now, like once every couple of weeks with like a big crew of us. And it's, they're so fun, man. And like, you're just kind of cruising together. It doesn't matter like who it is. You don't have to be like a super talented weight skater to enjoy it. Like you can yeah. have anyone out there, any age, any, any, any sort of lifestyle and they can all kind of connect to it. So those accessories, the experience are a big pillar of it. And then we also have like a sustainable apparel line, um, or I guess as sustainable as new manufacturing of apparel can be everyone anyone who's listening like yeah. get something secondhand or you know reused go to goodwill or salvation army army before you before you buy anything new but our apparel line is uh is all recycled material so it's like uh, plastic water bottles upcycled you know cotton scraps from other manufacturing and like so we try to be as zero waste as possible with our apparel line um and then transitioning into like other types of apparel down the line but initially it's just kind of basic stuff and then we have a dedication, right? So 5% uh, of all of our sales revenue goes to charitable organizations that are focused on water. So things like water accessibility, water sustainability, you know, wildlife conservation. So firms that are providing access to water in areas of the world that don't have easy access to water, um, water sustainability in terms of how we use and manage water. Here in the US, we have a hard time of how we actually legislate how water is used, how it's consumed, how it's wasted. Um, so 
we're working with other, you know, firms to hopefully promote better habits about water use in the U.S. as well as other places, create more accessibility, and then wildlife conservation and protect, protection too. So I know a portion of our revenue is dedicated toward helping fund those particular directions. And then another arm of it is like education. So like trying to be as much of an educator for easy ways to change your lifestyle to be convenient, but also more conscious toward, um, you know, being an environmentalist without sounding like something yeah. huge life changing. Because yeah. it's, it's not, there's baby steps. There's things that you can do to, to make it a lot easier for yeah. yourself yeah. And, and the planet. Yeah, well, that's sick. And it's important it's for, for what we do. I mean, you know, we, we are sometimes riding behind sort of, machines as in <laughs> jet skis and, and and what boats and stuff but we still you know utilize nature so it's important to sort of be able to give back and yeah learn about how to protect it yeah, yeah. definitely and just to have like i think a lot of the things just like we say usage like yeah how wasteful we can be with water is pretty scary mm. in, a, in a lot of ways um i think luckily i think cape town knows better than yeah a lot of cities yeah. on what it's like yeah. to be without yeah. water but you know um, and how quickly people can change their lifestyle to accommodate for it yeah. i mean yeah. the zero day kept getting pushed out because people found ways to conserve in ways that didn't really change their life that much yeah. like it's there's so many easy ways to make some material change like the biggest approach i'm trying to take with water child is that environmentalism and sustainability and stuff that people do out there. Like I really commend someone who has completely become zero waste, like someone who doesn't use any wasteful products, no disposable plastics, nothing that's like adversely affecting the environment. Someone who's yeah. like, you know, off the grid, you know, farming themselves using just like rainwater collection or vegan doing all these things that like keep them their carbon footprint as low as possible. But like, to me, at the same time, I'm trying to make environmentalism as approachable as possible too. that yeah. like the biggest perpetuators of like this, you know, high expenditure of CO2 emissions and stuff like that, like are people that like, aren't going to want to buy into that lifestyle, like yeah, exactly. make the, yeah. the, the, the transition as approachable as possible, small little like things that can be kind of marketed to them that makes sense. Like, yeah. When I was a kid, when I was in elementary school, they would just talk about how, like, when you're brushing your teeth, turn off the faucet. Like, you don't need to be running water, like, when you're not using it to, like, wet your toothbrush bristles. It doesn't make any sense. It's just wasteful. And that's, like, just two, a half a second of just turning a knob. Yeah. And, like, if everyone in the country didn't do that, think of how many gallons of water aren't being used just with that small micro behavioral adjustment across an entire, like, country. Like, that's a huge impact versus like one person being completely sustainable, zero waste off the grid and versus a mass amount of people doing something very insignificant and small. Yeah. And what change is that? Just education, just making that sort of thing being obvious, like no water trials are going to go around, but don't forget to shut off your water faucet thing. <laughs> like they already know about that, but there's other things that you never would have thought of that like can be super simple to be super zero waste. Like another one, like just stop using plastic water bottles. Like it's get a reusable yeah. canteen and like you never have to worry about plastic waste in terms of your beverages again. Like it's yeah. super simple. Like yeah. up here in Michigan right now, right now, my mom doesn't have plastic recycling. They don't have the like infrastructure here to like have recycling pickup and like they're not going to go out of their way to like drop off the recycling in some plant or recycling center you know 60 miles away it just doesn't make sense for them in their lifestyle especially in the winter when it's like super far away 
But yeah. if you have a reusable canteen, like you don't have to worry about the plastic water bottles that build up around here. And it's just like small little things that can happen over time to change your lifestyle. And like, yeah, you're not a complete savior. You're not like a giant eco warrior. And like people might scoff at you with like their huge lifestyle changes, but it's like, you're still making somewhat of a difference and it's something you can point yeah. to. And most of it's convenient and it's helpful in different ways. Like it's much nicer having an insulated canteen. Like your water stays colder for longer. Your coffee stays yeah. hotter for longer. Yeah. Like it's much more durable. Like you don't have to worry about the waste. You just clean it and reuse it. Like it's just better. And like, yeah, in so many ways. Yeah. It's a pretty easy <laughs> thing to sell. No, definitely. So it's trying to be like non-abrasive, non-pushy, not like pretentious about like being more environmentally conscious and like just trying to be a bridge between yeah. people that are completely uneducated to it and are open to changing in some varying level and not yeah. coming across as like passive aggressive about it, just being open and accepting yeah. to those sorts of changes. Yeah, I think no. that's the best way to go about it for sure. I think, I think it's awesome. I mean, there's a lot of people that can, you know, can make those sudden adjustments and say, cool, I'm not using plastic. I'm not eating meat. I'm not, yeah. you know, but for other people, it's like so small, like we spoke about the other day, cutting out, you know, eating veg only for like two or three days a week or, you know, like, just get in their canteen or stuff like that. Like just those small adjustments. If everyone did that, that makes such a big difference. Mm. And that, that's yeah. a little bit more attainable I'm, to a lot of people. And after a while, a lot of them will be like, actually, this isn't that hard to do. I can yeah. do it every day of the week if I wanted to, or I can. Yep. It's just little steps, right? Like a lily pad, the lily pad, the next thing, the next thing. And like, if you just take little victories here at a time, like little small lifestyle changes, the next thing you know, like you're completely different in the way your, your impact on, on the on the environment and kind of this system around you and being yeah. conscious of like what how you can put your money in the right direction too so like yeah. that's something i try to like focus on as well is that in the united states like it's pretty unreal like the per capita power consumption of someone like if i think about my house and like i think about how much i use gas in my car as much as i would like an electric vehicle um that just all this sort of stuff like a, a small village in, you know, Southeast Asia or in Northern Africa, like they couldn't produce the amount of electricity that I, that I use. They don't like their power consumption doesn't get anywhere near just me as a person over the course of a year. It's like, it's unreal. So like having yeah. that sort of like level of, you know, awareness of how that is and like small ways to chip away at yours, because a fraction, if you can cut down my, if I can cut down my power consumption of 10%, by some small action about like, okay, your air conditioning can be four degrees higher. Like you're still comfortable. Things are going to be fine. Like, or if you can work on getting some sort of solar installation, like just, if you can manage those sorts of things, like it's going to have a much bigger scalable effect than like mm. expecting other people with a lot less consumption or use to do anything else. Like we're the biggest perpetuators of like the issues, like to a large degree. And that the fact of the matter is like, 90% of carbon production is done by like a hundred companies on the planet, but that's policy. <laughs> that's other stuff that we're focusing on too. That's a much longer podcast, but yeah, there's just, you have to take some accountability in it and try to do what you can to reduce your impact. And I say that coming from a complete place of privilege and how much energy I use, but small victories, whatever I can do to like slowly chip away at it. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. One, one little battle at a time. Yeah, that's what that's what but, we're going through. Aside yeah, from that, it's 
Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I carry on. No, you're, you're, you're good. I was just going to say, like, I, I don't mean to like sit here doing marketing promotion. So like, I don't, we don't need to spend too, too much time on it, but yeah, we, th- I think this podcast is going to air on September 1st on Wednesday. And that's yeah. the day that water child launches. So anyone who's listening that wants to learn more or possibly buy something, you know, no, no pressure do, do, do you do you, but yeah, we'll be live at, hopefully right now where you can go yeah. to wildchild.waterchild.org and check out the site explore see if there's anything that catches your eye and then we got waterchild.co at all the the social media platforms to follow and stay tuned we're going to be doing some fun stuff uh coming up so just keep your eyes peeled yeah yeah awesome no, i was gonna Looking say uh, to i was gonna say all things yeah. aside the product and the brand and everything looks yeah. really cool and i think the name resonates with probably everyone on this podcast yeah definitely um, yeah <laughs> you know resonates really really strongly um and yeah everything looks really cool they like you've done a good job not you know we begin to expect these things from you but you need to <laughs> you need to be commended on them like you've done such a good job with it like everything that you've sent me about it and i'm i'm super 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 excited to see where where it takes all of us who get the chance to be involved yeah. in some way yeah i'm excited too man i mean the goal too is to get as many people kind of involved again too. Like I start these things like kind of alone and like figuring out what I want it to be and, you know, kind of nurture it to a point where I'm ready to like expose it to the world, but like getting my friends and, you know, people I trust involved too, to kind of keep carrying the the stuff going forward. I'm, I'm excited to continue to expand the same way I have with other stuff, but this is a whole different realm for me too. Like it's, I don't have really, I didn't have much expertise in like I've started projects. I've gotten, I've been involved in different companies, whether it's, you know, project or typical, and I've worked with like producing goods, but this is on a scale and investment yeah. that I, I had never experienced before. And it's both extremely frightening, but also exciting because I don't know, I'm terrified of fa- failure. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, MB. Yeah. It's, we're all, we're all learning from them. So we could, whatever comes, but it will be what, what, what it's supposed to So. I have a good feeling about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Rad. Is that how we ending? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I, at this point, I, I, I don't want to take any more of your guys' time. It's like no. fucking like midnight there for you guys or later. Like Jesus. No, it's nine. quarter to 10, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. You but guys I mean, this... get some get, get some food call it a night you know we'll, we'll have more opportunities in the future to crush yeah. these things out that's about yeah, says. We'll not do. gonna be i don't think the listeners can bear much longer of this uh <laughs> this self-congratulatory talk <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i'm sure everyone will be will be pretty stoked the long ones actually do don't do bad like there's no like no they do the same and it's not like it's weird yeah people listen to them as much and that's cool yeah yeah definitely um I haven't actually checked the stats in a while. We, we, we don't check the stats at all, to be honest. I'm like, I don't. Dude, I'm, don't. Don't, yeah. don't let that guide you. Yeah. Just like no. do what you guys want to do and people will come. Like the moment you start trying to like cater content changes to like what the, the trends are, then like, or what people like seem to be more interested in, like create the content that you want and people yeah. are either going to dig it or not dig it. Yeah. yeah. We, we have never really marked and I think you guys have done it. You guys have done a good job so far. So like, I think you guys have got a good thing going. Just <laughs> follow your intuition. No, yeah. Well, we, we, we're super keen to see what comes of the, the new developments, you know, with you and TJ. And yeah, we're frothing for where it can go from now or from here. 
Hell yeah, boys. Well, I'm, I'm hyped. I, I, I've obviously like popped my head in with different things with Wayskate Wednesday before it was a podcast or like chiming in on different things here and there, but it was fun to sit down and have a more long form conversation with you guys. And it feels like we just scratched the surface. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. That's uh, with, with all you guys, like with, with Nick, you, even with Ollie, like uh, all, all the real good ones, it's always felt like, dang, is it only like, we've been talking for two hours, but it feels like we haven't even gotten involved. Well, I mean, that was what we wanted to do in the beginning. Anyway, it was just kind of like a couple friends talking. Yeah. That was how we wanted it to be. So, yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, it helps that like I was roommates with Maddie for a long time. So it's, yeah. it's pretty easy to go a couple hours without stopping. Yeah. Without, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Dude. I mean, how, how many, how many car trips have you and I done back and forth between Florida and Texas where it's an 18 and a half hour drive and we don't stop. And it's just like, and somehow we managed to fill that time with conversation too. With so conversation. A podcast where we have some plan about what we're going to talk about is a good bit easier. Yeah. And as people understand from this podcast too, I can talk and talk and talk and talk <laughs> and talk. So yeah and the funny thing is we weren't talking we were listening to podcasts so we're like this is our time we're now yeah. in one yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you guys blaze the trail for podcasting and way skating i i i couldn't commit to it man maddie and i tried <laughs> recording in the studio a podcast with ollie i guess it was like 2016 yeah. we we're gonna start like a way skate podcast and because of me just like wanting everything to be perfect or like doing things exactly how i want I was like, I just ended up not going through with it. And I think yeah. a lot of people have had that, that same sort of idea. I know Tad has too. And uh, you well, guys, there's something should be said for committing and doing something and like beginning something because it's scary, man. Failure is terrifying. Yeah. And, and being able to like make something that people are going to resonate with is it's, it just sucks if it doesn't. And yeah. you know, all the props to you guys for going through with it and, and, and making this thing into something that I think a lot of people look forward to. Like I get that little dopamine kick whenever I see a new podcast alert from you guys saying like, Hey, got a <laughs> new, new episode dropped. Yeah, I know. Thanks kid. It's been, it's been, a, it's been cool. But I mean, yeah. we, we were lucky. We timed it. We timed it at a time when like, you did, like you say, like what a podcast was before lockdowns were like, people are a lot more susceptible, like open to like things not being as polished and as produced as they were before. Yeah. So yeah. I think we, yeah. we timed it, we timed it right. It came out of, at the right time as far as that goes, where we could just record a zoom call and put it out. Yeah. And people are stoked. So, you know, and the, the idea is not, and there's an appetite for it, right? Yeah. yeah. Like people were looking for more content to consume and they were happy with it. Not necessarily being the writing, like talking about the writing, yeah. kind of building a more, you know, conversational yeah. culture around way skating. Like, yeah, it, to, to me, it was, it was a perfect timing. Like, yeah. I, I think if we, if we had done the Estudium podcast, like we probably would have been met with far more critical response because most of the podcasts that were successful out there were like really well, heavily produced in person. Like some of them yeah. with a lot of like video media around them. Yeah. Like it's kind of hard to make something in the shadow of those larger productions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But maybe we'll, we'll get there one day. Yeah, we'll get. We're making moves. I'm, I'm glad. Like your, your. I think the timing of your call the other night was so good because, you know, like now we're at a point where, like, okay, cool. We've been doing this for a year and a bit. Get through this season, you know, and like now I can start really moving forward with it. So, I'm keen. 
super amped. Yeah, I'm hyped. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped to see where things go and, and what ideas get come up with. And it seems like Waste Gain is kind of finding another, what is it, a fourth, fifth life now? And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's finding out, it, it's swelling back up again. You know, props yeah. to everyone out there who's, who's pushing it and, and have uh, uh, not given up the, the good fight here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, kid. Well, we must have a call soon where we don't have to talk about just wake skating. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do my regular um, pleading for you to to move this side again. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I was trying to. I'll I'll have I can get you I can get you hopefully a, a W two or a W four for uh for water trout at some point in the future. You've all you, you can need mb employee number one or two <laughs> okay sick that sounds like a deal <laughs> if i gotta get you a visa to go over here by working for me somehow then that's what i'll have to do that's what we'll do okay <laughs> sounds like i've like gotta cut this out of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh you can keep doing this yeah. well, that, that, this, this is this is a, this is a requirement this is a qualification yeah. for the job <laughs> this is a necessity <laughs> oh man tia i mean what's it the tsa is listening in yeah they're gonna be like have we heard this podcast we yeah. spoke about a visa before yeah. oh you're talking <laughs> about like if like the like the the, the transportation the, the, like the, agency yeah. is like here and it's like oh he's trying to just get his friend to move here he's gonna hire him it's like, well that's yeah. completely legal i can do what i yeah. want i'm a business yeah. owner <laughs> that's true it wouldn't be much wrong with it if, if it was yeah. if we went through the right process you have got a lot of all the proper paperwork will be yeah. filed everything's gonna be fine We've got a lot of water qualifications so yeah exactly we've already tried our fair share of kind of less legal ways of getting you over here nick <laughs> with his adoption yeah and uh i think I'm, we've tried to do some interesting ways to get you over here longer term too we've I explored mean, some potential opportunities yeah we at one stage i was going to go stand in the, the parking lot for colin's <laughs> boss and colin and dave's boss at one stage yeah. and then well, I, mean, I was talking about how the, 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 when you were living there, we were talking about like the potential of, because when you were living with me, I think it was in 2015 at one point, they had just passed the the gay marriage legalization. I was like, yeah. hey, we could just get married. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the thing too. <laughs> Dude, we had that the story. Been, Dude, it, 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 it I mean, pretty- look, man, like if, if, do I have to prove my like undevoted love to Maddie, like to run to get married to me. Like I would have no problem being able to do that. Like I live with me. I yeah. like housed him. I fed him. We traveled the country together. We did much more than most married couples have yeah, we did. at that yeah. point. Definitely. Like we if arranged marriages with people they've never even met before in the United States are completely legally binding and fair. Like how is this one not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. So classy. But, I mean, even even getting into the getting into the country the way I was felt like a gray area every time because yeah. it was like, well, yeah, yeah. I'm coming. To like me signing papers saying that like you're doing X Y Z and like you're yeah. allowed here was a very weird sensation. I was like, yes, I agree. That, like I or I, I verify that Maddie will be here doing these things. We'll be going to these events. He will be receiving X amount of money and earnings that sort of thing i was like this is fucking weird yeah and then- i'm like i'm like a 19 year old kid a 20 year old kid be like yeah this <laughs> this is cool it's legit i remember when i got to vegas the last trip and the guy was like how much money do you have on you and i told him and he's like have you done this before <laughs> and i was like yeah this is like my fifth year back or my sixth year back he was like 
okay <laughs> how, how long are you allowed to stay in the in the states on a tourist visa dude uh six months on out on the b1 b2 okay sweet because i can go my next buys in 2026 my next buys next year i'm gonna have to get a new one mm. i'm gonna have to go i wonder how different it is year. now apparently once you've um once you've had like a 10-year term though like the, and you've, oh. you've stuck to what you need to do it's pretty as long as you've got a reason so it'd have to be yeah. like you know like the best thing would, would would be like a wedding if like if i was going to someone's wedding and i had that invite i was like look i'm i met them i'm going yeah. back for the wedding and the visa they'd just be like 10 years again I've, yeah i'm on my second tenure yeah yeah they say that should be second. pretty easy to coordinate too like that look we got there's plenty of people that you met or are close to here that will be getting married in the next six to 18 months yeah yeah I just need an invite. I don't know. <laughs> oh, don't even, dude. You can just go there for holiday. They'll give you a 10-year visa. Yeah. yeah. As long as they see that you're going to come back here. <laughs> yeah. I, I also have a much more... Um, and if you've got a job. I've got a much more reliable job yeah. now. And uh, we actually have a lease agreement for yeah. the rent and stuff. Whereas, like... When, yeah, I had when property I, in my name when I got mine. So. Yeah. When I was yeah. staying at Kev's, I was just like, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I've got the Bantam. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is my these are my assets this yeah. is my bantam yeah. this is to show you my wealth this, yeah. is, <laughs> this is what i'm gonna come back for as, as you say that <laughs> the side panel just falls, falls off, off. <laughs> the window falls down so. oh. the bantam's been giving some interesting times yeah <laughs> I, the I got bantam to the- needs Dude, the bantam to... needs to make its way this side, man. We need bantams here, dude. Before we still, I still want to get the bantam to the states before it dies. Like I just want to drive in Austin in my bantam. <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely turn heads for sure. Dude, I, I mean, I, and the, I mean, the fact that you're on the other side of the the car, the other side of the car too, that would turn heads as well. The first thing I'm doing is I'm going to a valet. Yeah, I'm dropping off the keys and be like, good luck. <laughs> well, you wouldn't get the door open firstly. Eh? You wouldn't be able to get the door open firstly. No, you'd be able to get the door open. I wouldn't be able to open the window. <laughs> I'd have to open my door. <laughs> oh. When I drove back to the, uh, when I drove to the apartment this uh, afternoon, Maddie was coming out of the complex to go to the shop, and I was driving in, and I pulled over and I like buzzed my window down. And Maddie like opens his whole door. He's like, my window's not working. <laughs> Basically, what happened last weekend is I got to the beach and my window had wound down and was stuck down. So I was like, I can't oh. go sur- I can't go surf now because I can't leave my window open on the beachfront in Cape Town. Like that's not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> so basically got home, took the door panel off, got the window up, and I just wedged a piece of wood under the window so that the window can't fall down. Yeah. <laughs> until I until I fix it properly. So now if I go to like any parking gar- garage or anything, I have to open my whole door, get the ticket out, <laughs> close my <laughs> it's a good time. Oh my goodness. The ba- at least you're still going though. That thing has it, been trusty. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's it's done all the provinces in South Africa, so she's done well. Yeah. I've gone through the, taking her to the Drakensberg and making that whole hustle of a trip was was sick dude that was fun dude that was like it took us like what 10 hours 11 10 hours to get from durban to 
to <laughs> to Joburg, but it was so worth it. Yeah. The last clip in a studio was filming the, the bed of the Bantam. Yeah. On the first trip. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where that guy closes the gate and then he's waving. Oh, okay. That was filmed. Yeah, that's that's the Drakensberg. I see. Yeah. Yeah, dude, crazy times. <laughs> and then that year that you came and I ended up and I was like just having to work. And you were just like full holiday mode, pina coladas, like at the border post. Like, yeah, Kev was like, Do you want to work here? I'm like, Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wastegate every day at, on the on the cable. I was taking the paddleboard. I mean, that was where I fell in love with paddleboarding, man. I just yeah. was catching waves out yeah. of the coast of the paddleboard, <laughs> cruising around, just trying not to look like a seal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best response ever fuck no fuck no <laughs> all right all right all right kid we'll um we'll, catch we'll connect soon. again soon boys it was a fun yeah. one this was great yeah sweet yeah thanks so much kid it was definitely just like the again. attendant in the drakensberg yeah <laughs> cheers later kid